Jam-packed to the rafters. Let's go up to our ring announcer. The following podcast is scheduled for one episode and is our vantage point, the Retro Wrestling Podcast. Outside, we couldn't see it from our vantage point. And welcome to our Vantage Point, the Retro Wrestling Podcast. Thank you guys so much for being back with us here. This is episode 229, and it is Monday, June the 28th, 2021. We hope you're having a good day. We're here to start your week off right as we romp you through the world of retro wrestling yet again. As always, I'm Joe Murata, and I'm joined by Michael Quinn. How you doing there, Michael? Howdy. 229. There it is, two twenty nine. That's what everyone wants. That's been that, a tradition. That's why they came here for this. That's it. That's we, absolutely. We can it. shut it all down right we now. We can stop it right now. This is the shortest show we've ever done. Beautiful. Not really, but <laughs> thank you guys so much for being back with us here. Hope you're doing well out there. Hope you're having a good summer so far. Although I'm sure most of us are just working because yeah. we're not in school. Well, where you, you know, get the summers it, off. it is how it is. It is how um, it is. This is life. This is life. That's Quinn. what they say. That's exactly what they say. And one of the things that you can do with this life is you can go over to Twitter at OVP Podcast. Now you won't find any clips there anymore. Life happened. It's just really just not allowed. It's just life. They just dump life cereal yeah. over it, and they were like, you know what? No clips. But life does go on, and over on our Twitter account, you will still find funny things. And if you like funny retro wrestling related things, you can follow us on Twitter at OVP Podcast. You can also email us if you want to at OVP Podcast at Gmail that is O, VP Podcast at gmail.com. But Quinn, if people want to talk to you and me, and perhaps over a thousand other, other retro wrestling fanatics, where might they go? Over at the uh, Facebook.com says life. Yes, of course. Life. They got the search bar. Oh, they do? You type in the search bar, our vantage point, dash, retro wrestling podcast, bing, bang, boom, tube score, kaflui, and you hit the join group, you're in. You're in. That's it. There's no other steps you have to take. I do think that you have to agree to one rule, though, when, right. you, when you're going to hit the but join it's button. it's not a button. So you see, I don't consider it a step. It's, it's just a text on the page. Yeah, yeah. And that text says, don't be what? Uh, a dunderhead. Don't be a dunderhead. All we mean by that is if you want to join the group, please join the group. It's fun time over there and you get to vote on the Royal Rankings and participate in other polls and things. But besides that, you get to talk to a bunch of other people that like old wrestling. We only ask that you don't be an asshole. Yeah. Don't, That's it. Don't do it. Just don't. Don't be please, a dunderhead. Please, I beg you. We just don't need personal attacks and things like that. We don't need people tearing each other down. Now, you want to you wanna argue about the wrestling, of course. You want to say that Bret Hart is better than Shawn Michaels. Please do, because that's great and very true. But, you know, Please don't. don't. <laughs> but don't Go make, the other way. Don't make fun of each other about it. Uh, you can do that on Facebook. Also, if you like OVP, maybe for a few weeks you've liked us or for a few years you've liked us, first of all, thank you. Second of all, if you want extra content, we do have that for people that want to support us, and that's on patreon.com slash OVP podcast. First and foremost is the 1983, 1984 canon, which is uh, just two bucks a month. Yeah, two bucks. And that's it. That's all it is. And we're going through 1984 now. It's a really good time. Hulk Hogan has arrived, Quinn. Oh, he's there. It's, <laughs> it's I'm, I'm sure Josh Kuhner is very happy about that. Of course that. he yeah. is. And on the $5 tier, the pay-per-view reviews out now is WrestleMania 9. And coming up very soon, soon, before you know it, is King of the Ring 93, where Hulk Hogan happily loses the world title to Yokozuna. You see the symmetry there, the beginning and the end. See, look is at it, that! All, we, we've got it all covered around this part uh, of the internet. this life. Yeah. 
Uh, so anyway, that's what you can do if you want to support us. Patreon.com slash OVP podcast. But Michael. Yes. We've been doing a new segment, obviously, as we always do every season. And it's winding down here. This is 229. Right. So we're kind of just on the last legs of this one. But it's been a fun one. We've been hosting a game show yet again, like we do occasionally. We do that. We do that. And in this one, we've asked you, the fans over on Facebook, to give us an opinion that you hold near and dear about retro wrestling. And Quinn and I will see if we can... Welcome back to Change Your Mind, the OVP game show, where we see if we can change your mind about an opinion you hold regarding retro wrestling. Quinn, we've had some good ones this season. Mm-hmm. We've talked about, you know, should Ted DiBiase be the world champion? No. Uh, we've, t- <laughs> well, we've, we've talked about Montreal being a work, which is a revolutionary topic. It's it's the top topic in all the wrestling forums across the nation. Absolutely. And we were the only people to ever talk about it. <laughs> well, I mean, somebody had to, right? <laughs> but this season, we're, uh, I mean, this segment, I should say, this episode, we are lightening it up a little bit. We'd like to welcome returning contestant again, the number one Hulkamaniac, speaking of him. Josh Kuhn. Oh, wow. This is the old Josh Kuhn episode. <laughs> Get on down here, Josh. Yep. He's right there. He's got... Oh, hi, Josh. He's got a really good one, Quinn. Mm-hmm. And it says, Tony Schiavone has always been, and still is to this day, a better all-around announcer than Jim Ross. Change my mind. It's crap! What do you think? This is a very thin line, this one. This is a close one. This is a good... And this is why I, I kind of wanted to do this yeah, one, you too. This one. Like, yeah, like, this is one of those where my first gut instinct is no. That JR is better, you mean? And I think it's more because, like, Shivani's had a longer list of blunders, technically, in my opinion. Maybe bigger ones. Right. One week away removed from one of the most blatant attacks in the history of our sport. It's going to be the biggest battleground in the history of our sport. The biggest match in pro wrestling history. The two biggest superstars in our sport. He's always attributed to that, like, that big one with the butts and seats and everything. And the greatest night in the history of our sport. But, yeah. And we'll get into all that, I think. Mm-hmm. The heart of this question, and I really do like this question. I do, too. I really do, Josh. Is that within the last couple of years since re-entering the wrestling scene uh, with his podcast, which I don't mm-hmm. know if you've ever heard of it, but it's called What Happened When. It's a small little podcast by a little local fellow Just named Conrad. the smallest, much smaller than us. Absolutely. Yeah, the, 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 the tiniest. Yeah, the small little podcast. Yeah. And uh, We're going to put it over from now on, right? <laughs> oh, yeah. we need, They need the bump from us. Yeah. I heard you've been talking shit on your stupid little OPP podcast. Nobody even listens to this shit. And then he also worked for MLW for a couple of years and then obviously signed on with AEW, incidentally, with Jim Ross as well. I feel like that was a great move for him, actually. Right. Because it's like he brought him back to the spotlight again, right? To prominence, yeah. Yeah. And I feel like these last few years has been the Tony Schiavone renaissance and much deserved because throughout most of the 2000s and 2010s or whatever that decade is called, Mm -hmm. people gave Schiavone a lot of shit. And grief. A lot of guff, yeah. Yeah, the guffest. Tony Schiavone was the worst. Now, I've heard people blame that all on Bobby Heenan, and to an extent, <laughs> to an extent, Bobby Heenan did not help to, he helped to fan the flames, let me put it that way. Yeah. However, I want to make a point. Tony Schiavone, even in the 90s, was being ridiculed online. I know this, A, because I was online looking at wrestling shit in the late 90s, and two, the Wrestling Observer, very prestigious awards, they voted him worst announcer in 99 and 2000. 
That's well before Bobby Heenan ever said anything about right. him. So don't well, only blame Bobby Heenan. I've okay? come to think that um, getting worst announcer from Dave Meltzer doesn't mean dick. Doesn't mean dick. Gorilla it, won it six times. It, to be honest, it means the one we're tired of the most Correct. this year. Like yes. That's what it means. Yes. It doesn't mean they're bad. Right. Now, conversely, JR won the best announcer a bunch of times, but a lot of people, Joey Styles won it also, and I don't yeah. know, I'm starting to get tired of him. That just means, again, he's new and unique, and we like right. him. Like, exactly. That's all it is. Mora won it, you know? Yeah. But back to Tony Schiavone. We are more WWF fans than WCW, but I, I know my f- fair share of Schiavone stuff in both promotions. Right. You do as well. I do. So let's recap real quick here. Schiavone started in the early 80s, 83, with the uh, Jim Crockett promotions. Yeah, that. It was mainly paired with David Crockett for uh-huh. several years. They did the Saturday night show. Love it. And Love it. Shivani's hilarious. Huh? He has a mustache. And he's good. great. And especially yeah. when he's cracking up at Ric Flair and stuff. Yeah, and him and Dave Crockett, like Mr. Super fan over there. Right. They, they, they do their thing. With me is Tony Shivani. Tony, we have an exciting program for the fans. We've got a lot of champions and a lot of action, too. We're talking about the U.S. heavyweight champion, the new one, Magnum GA, the national heavyweight champion, Nature Boy Buddy Landell, as well as world tag team champions, the Rock and Roll Express. And Shivani kept going, right, into the Turner transition, right, into the World Championship Wrestling transition the whole time, right, all the way up to 1989 when he went to WWF. Right. Had a good period there that that one thing is, uh, that I definitely think was overlooked and underrated. Oh, yeah, the WWF. Mm. Yeah, it's excellent. He's awesome. He's very good with the the Ultimate Warrior at SummerSlam and all that. I, I, I do like him there. His commentary at the two pay-per-view <laughs> events he did, SummerSlam 89 and Rumble 90, is tremendous. So, the thing with that, though, a lot of it, I have to say this, is because we, we were really getting concerned there when, like, Billy Graham and shit was showing up <laughs> and, like, Roddy Piper and stuff. <laughs> like, we were like, what? what no, no, we need real announcers. And Tony's just awesome, right? right. I mean, he's great on the house shows and he does syndicated stuff. He's tremendous, right? I don't like him. Just be... I don't like him. So that means the guy's out. You I don't hate like him. him. How's that? I hate him. I can't stand oh, him. Well, well, well obviously have to see a lot more He's of him. He's a creep. Then. He's a geek. We'll have to see a whole lot more of him. I then. don't like you either. How do you yeah. like that? Shivani then goes back to WCW and is there until 2001. Jim Ross, on the other hand, got started as an announcer down in Mid-South, I think in the late 70s, became the lead guy in the early 80s mm-hmm. under Bill Watts, of course, and then went to, when Watts sold in 87 to Crockett, Right. Ross went along with them, so mm-hmm. Ross then started appearing on World Championship Wrestling programming. Eventually became the lead announcer. Yes. So you had JR and Tony Schiavone kind of coexisting in WCW until early 93. Then, of course, JR went to the WWF several times. <laughs> Kept getting fired. <laughs> yeah, fire me. <laughs> Every fucking time. Which I don't know why Vince is hiring him if he well, keeps firing him. I do think this led to some of the down stuff with JR. What do you mean? I mean, the heel. The thing. heel turn, I thought he did a good job at it, but I don't think anyone wanted that. It's one of the, it's to me, it's one of the, like, big JR blunder things. Like, the, the, the whole, those couple of months or whatever that was. Yeah, it was a few like, months. It was like two or three months. He's like, Bishop Man sucks. <laughs> I like Big Daddy Cool Diesel. They're good and fake and, and stuff. And Furnace and Philip LaFont. Yeah, and you're just like, what the fuck is he talking? He's like, hyping all the worst people that nobody <laughs> likes. It stinks. It, it, it's just, it's too much. That's what I mean. It's like, you can't have that day-to-day on commentary, that that kind of... He's, like, supposed to be, like, the, the regular announcer, too, which is weird. Second only to Vince, yeah. Yeah. This 
McMahon couldn't stand the competition. Why is he doing this? This is rather unfortunate. But JR, though, and here's what I wanted to say about him. I do think, I agree with Josh Kuhn on the to this day point, because anything I've heard of or read people say about JR versus Shivani in like the last couple of years, Shivani still sounds like Tony Shivani, but JR, I think, has lost several steps. Yes. So to this day, yeah, I'd say right now in 2021, Tony Schiavone is a better announcer. Are they the same? What's their age difference? JR is about five years older. It's not that much. Yeah. It just makes me, it's always made me wonder because Schiavone still seems younger. Yeah, I know. And and I don't, I don't know if that attributes to it or not. Maybe JR's just tired. He also doesn't seem like a happy person. I call it red ass JR. He just, he just mad about everything. All Big the goddamn cloud. Fuck you, cloud. <laughs> In your cloud. As far as the announcing goes, I don't think it's fair either because I know some people probably do this to say, well, JR always sucked and was always overrated. And of course, Shivani's better because now we're realizing how good he was. Mm-hmm. I mean, JR was also extremely good oh, for yeah. a period of time. No, he was great. And that's the reason I think JR, in my mind, is better, right? So you want to change Josh's mind? Well, because it's, I think the high points of JR are much higher than the highest points of Tony Schiavone. But you think maybe Schiavone, would you agree that Schiavone is more consistent? Um, I don't know. He really kind of just half-assed it when we got to 1999 and stuff. But part of that is the product. I mean, he had the, JR had the advantage of still being on the highest rated show and the one that was doing well. And Schiavone was working for WCW, which like no <laughs> one liked to do. Here's, here's the thing. No one admits to liking the working it's there. like. While Shivani was doing that, JR was really kind of kicking all kinds of butt. He, he, that was like the best of his career, like during that time period. I would say JR, yeah. JR's best period, in my opinion, is 1997 uh-huh. until around 2001, 2002. I agree with you. JR made some of the wacky shit, even in like 1999, like tolerable. He did, Quinn. You know what I'm saying? Like, because he was just kind of like. Oh, it's like, oh, it's JR and King, and they're good, and, you know, we like to listen to that. It's me, Austin! Oh, son of a bitch! One of the things that really made JR work for the Attitude Era, and this is taking nothing away from his more straight-shooting style that he had up to that point, you know, mm-hmm. the more Gordon Soli light, we kind of call it. Yeah. I like that version of him, too, but I don't think there's as much... I don't think he does it as well. As Gordon? No. As, as his just JR style. Not. No, I agree with you. Yeah. But what was so great is that JR was kind of the perfect announcer for the WWF to guide us through this bizarre change from the new generation to the yes, Attitude Era. I agree with that. I agree with that a lot. He was very, like, malleable in that, in that right. way. And it, especially with the Mr. McMahon and Austin stuff and reacting yeah. to the chaos. Here's the weird thing is the thing we hate so much about the JR heel turn. Yeah. I feel like that lent a lot later on to how it worked in the attitude era when Vince McMahon was a heel. Yeah, exactly. Fucker McMahon. I don't like him. Like, you know what I mean? But like, we knew why at that point. And it was almost like they, they inadvertently sowed the seeds for like a good thing. Right. Right? You know what I mean? I agree. Tony Schiavone, on the other hand, was also perfect for Nitro and the impending chaos of the NWO and things like that. Oh, yeah. He was the perfect voice for that. I mean, and Schiavone has a lot of memorable moments with Hogan's heel turn. Right. And a bunch of other things. Goldberg won. Schiavone is great. And now from like a match calling standpoint, I think it's just a matter of preference. Right. I don't know that one is better than the other. Shivani had that smooth radio style voice and yeah, very no. pleasant. Shivani, the thing with him is that he sounds good. 
great right? voice. He sounds very good. I really appreciate what he does on mic. I agree with you, Quinn, and I like him better than NWA early WWF JR. Right. You know, like, you know, Bobby Backlund taking on Razor Ramon. Like, I yeah. actually like Shivani's version of that the better. The thing with Shivani is that it felt like from, like, day one, he was kind of Tony Shivani. And, and I'm he like, never changed. He never really changed. Whereas JR, like, he had to kind of work for it. And, and you know what? To JR's credit, he suffered Bell's palsy attacks a couple of times. Mm-hmm. And he worked through that without being able to fucking move his face the entire way. It's, like, it's crazy. Seriously, to give him credit on that, whatever mm-hmm. you think of him as a person, that has nothing to do with it. The uh, fact that he could pull it off and he developed that growly, bah, God, style that people parody. Yeah. And that you know fit what? the Austin thing a lot. It though. fit the era, and then I got really tired of it up around 2000, 2001. I yeah. did get tired of all the yelling and calling Edge Christian all the time. <laughs> like, all these stupid so, things he so would say. I want to say this. Later JR, and maybe Booger this, Red era. Yeah, later JR is actually something that you may not want to admit, but it's a lot like later Gorilla, where it, it just doesn't give a shit. It's just n- not as good. Yeah. Like, you know, he's a hoss! Like, yeah. just shut up already it's with just yelling like everything. Gorilla's just like... Oh, and the, he would just like say his like catchphrases all the time. It's like, oh, the doinkster. And, yeah. Like, you know what I mean? Like, you know, you the know razor I mean? man. But the stuff that sounded pretty good in 1988 or whatever, right. it doesn't work anymore yeah. here. That's what JR felt like when we transitioned to like ruthless aggression and everything. Right. right? No, it's I agree like, with you. It's like it just, he was doing the JR things. Like, he was trying to like apply the stone cold, like stone cold, like yelling, but he was doing it to like John C. It's like, John C is good. Like, yeah. you know what I mean? And it's like, oh, um, it gets, doesn't. It doesn't work the same way. You know, he could still call a match really well back then. And yeah. you, you know how you could always tell in like '99, for example, anyone wants to say that Jr. wasn't good, whatever. Remember when Michael Cole had to replace Horrible. Jr. for a few months, and, and it really even <laughs> I, as a 13 year old, was like, "This isn't good." I still think it's bad that he replaced him now. <laughs> I could, yeah, even when they switched over on like '08, that wasn't yeah, good. Uh, I don't know. It was like there was something like here's the deal. It's like yeah, that was what Jr. could always fall back on. And that's like what made him so good is that even if you didn't like the yelling or whatever, when you got to like WrestleMania, for example, he was like very, he was still very good. Even in those like later WrestleManias, he was. Like no, even he was. up to like 09 or whatever yeah, before up, he left or whatever. Up around then before and he then left even for the when first they would time. Bring him in as like a guest on WrestleMania. You'd be like, oh, thank God. Like for like the main event or whatever. Right. Which like, they did a few times. Yeah. It's like, even though I have to deal with the yelling at the very end of the match, most of the match he's like, he's calling moves and doing things correctly. And I'm like, great. That's what we want. I think JR's career had higher peaks, and I think that he probably has more memorable calls, but that's not Tony Schiavone's fault. You know why? Because in fucking WCW starting in like the mid-90s, nothing good ever happened yeah. for Schiavone to get excited about. Could like, you, three good things ever happened. Could you see Tony Schiavone I'm calling, kidding, by the way, folks. Like, calling WrestleManias in like the Attitude Era or even like 09, 08 or whatever? You know, I could, but yeah. I just think that they were better where they were. Right. Than if they would have flipped, you know Even what I'm saying. Jr. in a sailor suit is like does a little bit better job in this t- in with that with that company specifically. <laughs> to I, say. W- I will say this: I would much rather listen to Tony Schiavone talk now than I would Jr. I think Jr. just like their podcast and stuff. I think Jr. sounds very bitter sometimes, and he, he just grates on me. So I the, think that Schiavone just seems like a cool guy. I think the problem with Jr. now, as opposed to before. It's not the bitterness is that he has this persona of like insider, like when he's on his podcast. Well, he was an insider. Right. And so he kind of he does project it a little bit, but I feel like it's leaked into his commentary as like now a current 
announcer. Probably. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Whereas Shivani, here's the thing that Shivani, why Shivani's a, a good for now is because he's still, there's still a little kayfabe to him. Like, you know what I mean? Where JR has crossed this line and he's made it into his public persona that's even on screen. Yeah, that's a good point, Quinn. That's the difference now. So that's why JR seems bitter. It might be partially a character. I don't he, know. I'm saying he has to put on this, like, I, I don't know, everything in a business. Like, you know what I mean? Like, it's like, that shit ain't real or whatever. I'm just saying. No, but, I know, yeah. I know, I know. Is um for all the guff people gave Shivani. Mm-hmm. And again, it's not all Bobby Heenan's fault. This was already being said well before Bobby Heenan said anything, okay? Mm, poor Bobby. For, for all the greatest nights in the history of our sports, there's also the, by God, by God, stone cold. You know what I yeah. mean? Like they're, they're, it's, it's the same, the same shit. It's, it's, the, it's the catchphrase. Yeah, it's the same thing. JR did it too. Gorilla. And, did yeah, it. Gorilla did it. And JR used to annoy the fuck out of me starting, like I said, around 2000, 2001. He got very annoying to me. <laughs> so did Shivani, but I'm just saying, like, I guess they both did. Maybe I was yeah. annoyed at everything, okay? Yeah, maybe annoyed you just at didn't the world. like wrestling anymore yeah. in 2002. <laughs> That's another thing. That's the other thing. But also... It wouldn't be fair to say like JR was never good or something. That's right. bullshit. He was really good. He added emotion and an, he was invested in what he was doing and he added a lot, but so did Tony Schiavone. I will say this though. I think Tony Schiavone has remained much more consistent. I agree. Has not dropped off the right. way Jim Ross did. Mm-hmm. Maybe Tony Schiavone benefited from being away from wrestling for 15 years. True. You know, and I will say that Tony Schiavone has more of a timeless quality than JR does. Yes. You know, his he, he voice does. and his cadence and the way he calls a match. But that same timeless quality is like kind of his Achilles heel with JR because JR's kind of like, you know what I'm saying? It's like he, he represents a time, but I think that a good time. And right. I think a lot of people look at that and they're like, man, JR was the best. Yeah. And I don't, you know, Jim, Jim Ross is not my favorite announcer. Yeah. Uh, but I, I like him and I appreciate his abilities because he is good at what he does or was maybe. But I also think that I, I would agree to Josh to this extent. Shivani's probably better now. Right. And Tony Shivani is definitely underrated when it comes to, you know, like historically underrated versus JR. I want to say say this final thought on Shivani versus JR. Yeah, go ahead. I, I think Shivani is great for like kayfabe stuff, like in the storyline reality stuff. Right. He's even maybe a little bit better than JR. JR is good for, he's a very good live television style announcer where like, if some shit goes down, maybe it was unexpected, like fake unexpected, or even if it's real unexpected. Well, he did deal J- with that. JR is your man for that. He he has the he has the ability to put levity on stuff that maybe gravity. Not, yeah, levity, gravity, whatever. Yeah, two twenty, two twenty one, whatever it takes. On stuff that's not planned, or maybe even is supposed to be fake, unplanned. Yeah. Do, do you know what I mean? Yeah, no, I mean he's good on his feet with that type he's of stuff. He's more emotional. Let's, yeah, let me put it that's that what way. I mean. Yeah, He's that, much more emotional. And if that's your if that's your bag, then Jr's king. But if if you're like pure like kayfabe that kind of thing, I can totally see why Shivani might be your favorite announcer. Yeah, I think honestly, this truthfully comes down to more of like a preference thing. Because to say that Jr wasn't a good wrestling announcer, I just don't think is true. I think he was a very right, good wrestling right. announcer. If you like uh, Tony Schiavone more, I wouldn't. I I almost like Tony Schiavone more these days. In all seriousness, yeah. But I but I, 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 I don't know. I am always. I think more of this conversation is about like okay, pull back. Yeah. everything. Right. It's right. like that, and that, and that to me, if I pull back everything, I think I like Jr. better. It's tough, man. That, that that's what I'm looking at here. I know. And, I, and maybe that, and maybe that's the mind. Maybe that's how we change your mind, Josh. Is pull back a little bit. Don't look at Schiavone now. Look at the whole body of work. 
versus JR. It's very close. It's very tough. And I'm I'm staying completely Switzerland on this one. Okay. I'm staying neutral because I don't know. I like them both a real lot. Joey, Switzerland? I casually object. There you go. <laughs> not strenuously, yeah, though. Yeah, not strenuously. Just casually. All right, folks. Well, this was supposed to be a casual topic. And thank you, Josh, for playing. We got one more week of this, and that'll be coming up next week. But guess what? What's coming up in just a couple minutes here? It is the final Royal Rankings of the season. That is right, folks. There are eight names on the board. Two more names left in the tank. We're going to pull them out, and we're going to see where they rank. It is the Royal Rankings of World Title Changes. And that is coming up right after this. Two of us Jim told me, he said, I, I think I'm the best announcer in wrestling. And he said, and damn it, you should too. He said, unless you think you're the best, you shouldn't be doing this. And that stuck with me. He's probably one of the best. Yo, yeah. You think about it. Definitely. Yeah, he is. He, yeah. Uh, I've told a story many times that uh, Jim was the one. Jim Ross was the, got me my first big contract. They, they had a meeting with me, Jim Ross, Jim Hurd, and Jack Petrick talking about hiring us full-time to work for Turner. And I'm telling you, that meeting was one guy talking. It was Jim Ross. He told Jim Hurd about how the wrestling business should be run. He told Jack Petrick. And I remember them, I remember sitting there and saying, that son of a bitch is tremendous. He's just talking about how important he was to the business, how important Tony Schiavone is to the business. After the meeting concluded, Jim Hurd took me back and he says, we're going to pay $100,000 a year, which was more money than I could ever imagine in my life. Hi, this is Jameson. Remember me? Yeah, me neither. You're listening to Our Vantage Point Retro Wrestling Podcast. It's the best. And welcome back, wrestling fans, to Our Vantage Point, the Retro Wrestling Podcast. It is June the 28th, and it is episode 229. 229! Thank you, Quinn. Hey, Quinn, we were talking earlier about our Patreon. Yeah, Patreon. We have it to give back to people that want to support us. It's not this get-rich-quick scheme type of thing. Well, we don't. We're, we're not rich. Well, we're not. We didn't get, get it quick. It's our get-rich-slow scheme. Yeah, maybe. yeah. The <laughs> but, slowest of rich. <laughs> but in all seriousness, if you like OVP, if you want to support us, you don't have to, but if you want to, you're going to get a lot of extra stuff. And we talked about it. We got the 1984 Canon. That is the debut of Hulk Hogan. And we're going through every WWF Championship Wrestling. We've done all of 82, all of 83. Now it's time for 84. It comes out every Friday. It's in video form or audio only form if you want it that way. And it's just two bucks a month. And then on the other side there, for five bucks a month, you're going to get the Canon. But you're also going to get every WWF pay-per-view reviewed in order. And coincidentally, Quinn, the symmetry right now got wrestlemania 9 out next week it's gonna be king of the ring unbelievable and that'll be the end of the hogan run good and that'll be great (laughs) and if you want to hear what we think of every wwf pay-per-view the ones that involve shivani we got jr there now we got gorilla on these yeah you can get our thoughts on the entire event in a three three and a half hour audio podcast once a month and that's just five bucks a month and it comes with the canon so if you're interested in the extra stuff I encourage you, give it a shot just for a few weeks even. Just try it out. If you don't like it, cancel. There's no like, contract. No no contracts required <laughs> on this one. There's no obligation. You just, you just sign up. If you don't want it after a month, you just say, okay, bye, I'm That's done. It. Maybe give it a shot. If you like what you're hearing today, give it a shot. Patreon.com slash 
OVP podcast. Michael. Yes. Royal rankings. Yes. Big deal. Yee. <laughs> Braille. It's a thing. So the Royal rankings, and this is the last one of the season. Whoa. What the, I know, right? What the Royal rankings are is before the season starts, we ask you, the fans, to go on our Facebook group and vote for your top 10 of something and your bottom 10 of something. And for this season, it was world title changes. And then what happens is our chief statistician, Joe Merkel, he compiles all of these votes and puts them into two separate tanks, one for the best, one for the worst. Then we pull the names out of the tank, we rank them, and by the end of the season, what you have is the definitive, scientific, organic, ordained, baptized, non-GMO, USDA certified organic and healthy, best and worst world title changes of all time. Quinn? Yes? There are eight names on the board. There is. There's only room for two more. I mean, it's getting hot and heavy. It is. All the things we say usually at (laughs) the end. It's it's close. Nitty and gritty. Getting tight. Tight, yeah. Tight. Getting tense. Yeah. The tensest. (laughs) Terse. Yeah. And here's what we got, folks. At number one, Hulk Hogan defeating the Iron Sheik January of 84. Number two, amidst a very minor controversy, is uh, John Cena... Losing to CM Punk at the Money in the Bank 2011. Love it. Love it. The angles, everything about it. It's a very good is moment. tremendous. Yeah. Number three, also very good, is Ric Flair winning the 92 Rumble. I think we said that that one's not technically as important in the long run as the other one. Yes. That, that, that was the line there? That's why. Okay. Number four is Warrior Hogan, which everything up to Warrior winning is awesome, and then they just don't book him well. Yeah, it's, it's poor afterwards. And you could say the same thing about number five, Goldberg Hogan uh, from July of 98. Yeah, well, it's I, the same I agree thing. with that. Austin Michaels is on there for, for like historical reasons from WrestleMania 14, but it's not amazing. This feels like such a whatever. This one, yeah, like, I, I, I don't know what a, what a, take it or leave it. Take right? it or leave it. Yeah, uh, Rock Mankind, like, the most feel good moment on here uh, from January 4th, 99. Mm, mm, yeah, I know I you don't like yeah. you don't like it for some reason. I just didn't no care soul. as much about it. That's yeah, all. That's why. Yeah. And number eight, <laughs> a great title change, a great moment, capped off a great angle, and. Mattered zero. Yeah. Is Randy Savage versus Ric Flair from WrestleMania? Very average. Very average. I mean, great match and great angle. Uh huh. But I wouldn't have put it on my top 10. But you guys did the voting. We do the ranking. And Quinn, we got two more left. Why don't we go down to Howard Finkel for the Royal Rankings? Ladies and gentlemen, it is now time for the Royal Rankings. The last one, Quinn, for this season. This is it. This is it. 
Is this going to be this is going to be the one that hits number one? Oh like yeah, right definitely. Here? The, right here. Of course, this is it. we'll know everything. <laughs> now, folks, this is very important. These rankings, obviously, you know, these are going to go into all the wrestling journals. Yeah, Wrestling Observer is going to put the uh, post this. They're going to publish it. They're, they're, they're very into it. Oh, definitely. Yeah. And this is very scientific. Oh, you got to remember scientific. that. It's it's in all the scientific journals as oh, well. Yeah. Science America and those <laughs> things. I don't, that's not even real, is it? Science America. Yeah. And we keep all of our personal bias out of this completely, one hundred percent. Oh yes. And we put our. <laughs> It's the least biased thing we've ever done. We put our lab coats and goggles on and our Petri dishes, and we just conduct experiments here. Um, And in all seriousness, though, we do try to rank them as fairly as we can, but it's an opinion, and you have your opinions as well, and you can let us know what you think uh, after you're done listening here. But, Quinn, we've run down the eight on the board. We've run them. There's only room for two more. Only two. Why don't we find out? Who drew? Number nine. Right, Daniel Bryan, mm-hmm. Wrestle Thirty, Wrestle Thirty. In in a lot of ways, this to me feels like the um the culmination of the the punk era <laughs> that like started. Does that make so. sense? Like it's like kind of like the 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 end of it, the the the, the little renaissance that that no. happened yeah. because of Cena Punk. You know what? That's a fair point, Michael. To roll this back just a tiny bit, this is obviously just to give you the match properly. It's Daniel Bryan. Defeating Batista and Orton, WrestleMania 30, New Orleans. Great time. Mm-hmm. It really was. I what loved a great, it. it. It was. What a great show in general. It was. Great yeah. show. Great WrestleMania. And yes, it's modern, huh? But it was really good for what they were doing at the time. So Cena Punk kind of kicked off, as Quinn's been saying all season long since we've been talking about this one. A bit of a different era uh, in terms of the way WWE was presented a little and covered in the more, slightly more mainstream. Yeah, it's mainly how it was like perceived right. by the mainstream. Perceived is a good yeah, way to put which it. which was a, a big difference than what we were used to seeing. But let's also not sleep on the fact that this was the first time, really, where John Cena started not completely walking away from the world title scene. He was definitely at this show, I, I believe, right? Did he fight Rusev or something like that? Bray Wyatt. He it, fought, it was like uh, one or the other. Oh shit, which one was it now? Yeah. I, Bray I, Wyatt, wasn't it? I forget. Or is it Rusev on a tank? No, that was something else. It Rusev on a tank. <laughs> I was hoping it was Rusev on a tank. I think this is when he fought Bray Wyatt. Well, well, well. Even the broken stupid clock is right twice a day. But let's talk about John Cena. Kind of stepping away, right? Right. CM Punk, and the title bounced around a little bit after Punk won the Money in the Bank. We are aware of that. But then Punk won it for a long-ass fucking time starting at Survivor Series 2011. Right. Dropped it to the rock, blah, blah, blah. Some people call this the reality era, I guess, if we I wanted to that, define. I know, yes. but it, I, I think it, to me, as much as I hate the name, I, I think it most accurately defines what what it was trying to do. Yeah, Let's put it that way. Didn't they call it that at the time? No, they you didn't. Sure? That was coined by like some ESPN writer or some shit. Probably on the WWE payroll. Yeah, what, what, was it Jonathan what Coachman? No, no, no. It was some Grantland person. I don't remember. I don't, yeah. He sucks. Yeah. So whoever it is. Yeah. But anyway, in all seriousness, right? Masked man, maybe. Stop. Yeah, remember him? Yeah, unfortunately. Remember yeah. Sushi X too yeah. while we're at it? <laughs> so anyway, we get to a point where while CM Punk is the world champion... He actually happens to have a match with Daniel Bryan for the world title in 2012, and it was like really fucking good. No, it was really excellent. I I actually love that. And let me yeah. So yeah. let me just make that point to to show you how things have changed. No Sheamus, right? No <laughs> Del Rio. No yeah. Cena. No Triple. H. 
Daniel Bryan from ROH taking on CM Punk. It's good. Of ROH, mainly, right? In a world title match. Yeah. It's awesome. If you recall, too, Daniel Bryan was like U.S. champion or something, too. So it was was like a champion versus champion situation, although only one title was on the line. Correct. Now, Daniel Bryan had gone through a phase where he started doing yes as a heel. And then the fans picked up. He did it to be annoying, if you right. if you yeah, remember yeah. this, right? The fans picked up on it, so he started doing the no. He did the no, yeah. And then there was a team with Kane that started as heels, right? Started team Hell, hell no. no. Team yep. Hell No. But because of their antics and stuff, and like their backstage vignettes, they and went like to therapy, a doctor together yeah. and stuff. It was nice. They started turning face, and Brian became a big face. This and is it, what became made Daniel Bryan much bigger than he was when he came in as just this plucky like guy with a bad haircut. Right. Like, <laughs> Choked out Justin Roberts. I grew up locked in a basement, suffering severe psychological and emotional scarring when my brother set my parents on fire. From there, I shifted around among a series of mental institutions until I was grown, at which point I buried my brother alive. Twice. And that leads to a world title push for Daniel Bryan. So he's a face now. He's going to be taking on John Cena, who was once again champion. This is this is because of The Rock. It's nothing to do with CM Punk. He messed up everything. I fully have to hand it to The Rock for screwing everything up. Right. So we get to SummerSlam and Triple H, who is a face at this point, mind you. He's like mm-hmm. the COO on screen. Yeah, now he's, he's Mr. I encourage good wrestling right. or whatever. So we like him now. <laughs> we like Daniel Bryan. Uh, he's uh, good uh, or yeah, whatever, right? Yeah. So we get to SummerSlam 13. You and I watch this. We happen yeah. to watch this one. Fucking awesome match between the world champion John Cena and Daniel Bryan. And guess what? Daniel Bryan wins clean. Yeah, he beats him. Triple H is the ref, wasn't yeah, he? I think so. He had a shirt on. He had a ref shirt on. And he's like all congratulatory. Cena's even okay with it. Like yeah, he's like, isn't there like a handshake or yeah. something? And I think Cena just walks away because he's good. And then, and then this, uh, then WWE happens. So Triple H <laughs> horns in on this, turns heel. Randy Orn comes in, yeah, wins who, the title. Yeah, he was the, just so you know, money he, in the he bank. won the money in the bank. So of course he did. To be fair, like he was like this is what I always say about Randy Orton in the storyline, which I think is funny. Is like he didn't like break any rules or do anything wrong. Triple H did. Yeah, Triple H did. It was like Randy Orton's just like, but I won the thing. Uh, right. I'm supposed to get the belt shot when I want what? <laughs> like what? Like you know what I mean? Right. So he so Triple H turns heel, turns on Daniel Bryan. Uh, help, essentially helps Orton win. And then the title is eventually vacated, held in abeyance. It's a whole convoluted thing. This is thing. where abeyance came this from. This is where abeyance comes from. But the reason we came down to ringside was because it looked like there was about to be a new WWE champion. No, 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 no. I don't need your protection. I can take care of myself. Shut up. I can take care of myself. But in the meantime, we got to just remember the Randy Orton thread which is like he's being used by Stephanie and Triple H, but yeah. he's like sometimes sympathetic because he's like, I want to have the commemorative cup and I want to be on the cover of the magazine. He's you know? just kind of <laughs> this guy that's kind of like has the same aspirations of Daniel Bryan. But he's just he's not like, charismatic. He's not charismatic, but he's like good at wrestling. Yeah. And he's like, but I, I'm good at the wrestling. Like I, I win the matches. Like I, I beat Daniel Bryan. I, I won the thing fair and square. And why, why can't I just... What's the big deal? Why can't I be the main guy? Yeah. And, and, and Triple H definitely like, no, we like you. Uh, don't worry. You know what I mean? Yeah, but- <laughs> we like you uh, because you were in my group a long time ago. Uh. <laughs> so meanwhile, we get to the Royal Rumble. And, and again, we've talked about this, so I don't want to like completely rehash it. We've talked about it when it came to like main events. and so We've talked about this yeah. a lot. But basically, we get to the point where it's Royal Rumble 2014. And in the lead up to that, Daniel Bryan was feuding with Bray Wyatt. And they made him join it or something. Like if he, he lost, he had to join. a janitor for a minute. It was a whole thing. Right. 
But then right before uh, the Royal Rumble, he tore off the janitor costume. It was good. It was good. Everyone this was, was a great moment. Because actually. it meant like, oh shit, they're they're they're, they're not doing, doing this yet. They're like, doing the thing we want. Right, right. Like, that was that was the excitement. I remember the after that episode aired and it went off the air, I remember you and me being like so happy. We were like, oh my God, they're really going to do the thing that we want. Like for once, it's not going to be like Triple H uh, and I'm good. Uh, right. Because the yeah. whole time Triple H and Stephanie who were on screen heels, right? Yeah. They were heels. So you're uh-huh. not supposed to like them. The wrestling term is heels. But their whole thing is like, you're a B plus player and you're never going to be the main guy. Booby booby. You know, yeah, and all that Stephanie, stuff. I think you're good, but you stink. <laughs> my dad doesn't like you as much. Like, you know, like that's right. like basically her. That's what it was. So it looks like, realistically, maybe Daniel Bryan has a shot here at the world title scene, but of course he's got this Bray Wyatt feud, right? So they're going to fight at the Royal Rumble. In the meantime, Randy Orn is the champion again, right? and he's going to be defending it, why not, against John Cena, because we had never seen that match before, and everyone was so happy to see that match. <laughs> was that the one where they actually said, like, they were like, this is it, we're not doing this, <laughs> like, remember? I, I feel like around this time, there was some acknowledgement that they'd done this match 600 times, and they were like, this, like, this is the final time you'll get to see this match that you don't want to see anymore. Like, is this that one? I know there's, there's one of them around this period of time where they say this. Is this the one where the crowd has zero patience and yeah. they're just like they're just like can we get it over with like let's get through this right is this the match where they're chanting we want divas and then orton does his pose maybe it's, it's really it's good it's funny when he it's does it's around that. this time period <laughs> that's my point yeah so that's gonna happen at rumble and also what's gonna happen at royal rumble is batista's gonna come back even though no one really ever was pining for maybe you were i'm sorry maybe you were he i wasn't he had skinny jeans on though <laughs> when he came back he looked so- like Pitbull. It was good. He looked like a shaved cat when the he came back. The problem is that when Batista came back in this, was that he was supposed to be a face, but he was like acting like Batista heel Batista. He like was a good one. He was title match Batista all over and, again. And it was kind of like we want to boo you. Could you just be a heel? Like right, I think that's, that's like what everybody. It, nobody had like an issue with him as much as they were just like he's on the wrong side. Yeah. Like it doesn't make any sense. So whether it's you or John Cena or someone else, I don't care. I'm back. To win the Royal Rumble match on Sunday, I'm back to be WWE World Heavyweight Champion, and I am back to headline WrestleMania. So deal with it. Listen to this capacity crowd. And the rumor goes that they really were going to push him uh, to take on Randy Orton at WrestleMania 30. I always remember you pointing this out as like, they were really going to do this. It like really, you, uh, this is what they were going to do. Right? So we get to the Rumble, and again, I'm trying to make this recap brief here, but it's necessary to get to why this title change was so good. Yeah. So the Royal Rumble 2014, this is the first time they fucked it up, not the second time. That yeah. was the year after. This is the this is the big one, though. They're both this, big. This is, the, this is the one I remember being so mad about. So this Royal Rumble agreed. So in the second match, or actually it was the opener, excuse me. Daniel Bryan takes on Bray Wyatt. Bray Wyatt wins clean, right? Because fans are so conditioned, right? Yeah. For years of wrestling to expect a surprise when one is not right. Like yeah. to expect a swerve, right? Especially because he lost. Correct. Right? The idea is like, well, he lost. That means he's going to win the Royal Rumble now. Right. Correct. They, they, they set us up for this because that's how, just how wrestling is sometimes. Yeah. Right. It just was, it's like a trope, right? right. It's if a trope. you're going to win something big, you're going to lose the smaller thing right. earlier in the show. Brett Owen, WrestleMania 10 being exactly. one example. Yeah. 
Now, again, Brian wasn't advertised to be in the Rumble, but then again, a lot of people aren't advertised to be in the Rumble. Like, Kevin Nash wasn't either, and he's yeah, in that one. Yeah, exactly. You know what I'm saying? They bring there's out only, all sorts of people. Listen, the Royal Rumble and, like, not... To go into a Royal Rumble and say, like, there's going to be no surprises just sounds dumb. Yeah, like, especially you know in mean? the later years where everyone's a surprise entrant. It's, like, literally the point of the match. There's a countdown, well, and you don't know who's coming out next. Right, exactly. You know what I mean? If there's no surprises, then why the fuck are we even here? Like, I, I, honestly, okay. with the Royal Rumble. All right, I'm sorry. Yeah. Well, I mean, back in the day when they used to announce everyone ahead of time, it still worked also. You know what the problem is? Now they don't have enough of a good roster that they don't want to tell you who's yeah. in it. Mm-hmm. And they need to bring in some old-ass fuck from 2008 that no one cares about to be like, I'll remember him! Bro, this is what it's all about, and you never know who's going to show up! Anyway, like I said, Orton's the champion, right? <laughs> he He keeps the title against Cena. And then we get to the Rumble, and... Starts getting a little later in the match here. Right. And Batista is number 28. The huge advantage. Huge advantage here, right? And Big E is number 29. And everyone's like, okay, 30 has got to be Daniel Bryan. It's got to be Bryan. Yes. Yeah. yes. Aren't the people yes. like literally preemptively yelling yes, yes and so- doing like the Daniel Bryan things? And they're like, they're, they're, everyone's like, the anticipation. <laughs> you, I can't get it through. Like, uh, put it through if you weren't there. And to experience this, even in arena or watching at home, everyone's just like, it's coming. Yes. Yes. Like, awesome. This is going to be great. Daniel Bryan's going to come in and he's going to win and it's going to be the best thing ever. And then three, two, one. And booyaka, booyaka. And everyone's like, yeah. first of all, there's like a, a like dead silent shock. There's people like looking at each other like, no, they didn't just <laughs> wait. What? And then there's just... Then it sets in, right? The realization. The realization sets in after, like, I want to say about 10 seconds. And then all of a sudden, boom! And then just constant booing the rest of the match. absolute anger from everyone on all sides, at home, in the arena. Like, you can't... Are you fucking kidding me? (laughs) And then, like, Daniel Bryan chants, like, the whole way through. It's a fucking unbelievable, like, nightmare. For the bro kick... Batista, of course, who entered at 28 and looks like he's been in the whole match, by right, the way. Yeah. You know, looks like he entered at one. <laughs> looks like he set up the ring first and oh, then came out. All sweaty. He uh, last eliminates Roman Reigns, who was a heel, but the fans were cheering for Roman because, again, they brought back Batista and the writing's on the wall. The fans, and I'm not saying this is good, but the fans are like, wait a minute, they fucking bought brought Batista back so he could win the world title at WrestleMania. That's why. Yeah. And they're like, fuck that. We don't want that. Roman, please win. Like, it was because Roman got a couple of eliminations and then it started kind of rolling. And like people were like, oh, well, this is like our only hope. Yes. And 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 I, I hate to say it, but I always, and I've always pointed this out to you, Joe, is that like, that's really how they somehow got the message wrong that we wanted Roman Reigns. It was like we wanted him the one time when we really wanted Daniel Bryan. Other than that, we wanted him in the shield. Yeah, we we don't want him doing anything else. (laughs) We were fine with him in the shield. He's just a means to an end in this Royal Rumble. Right. So anyway, Batista wins. Everyone's booing. They have to turn the sound down. Michael Cole has to act like it's good. And then Batista... (laughs) is uh, now going to face Randy Orton at WrestleMania, and that was really going to be what they were going to do. But thankfully, Daniel Bryan started like some campaign, the Yes Movement, blah, blah, blah. That was just them saying, like, look, the internet's doing things. Like, yeah. That's like their explanation. And they're like, we're sorry. That's what we had. Now, there was an elimination chamber at the pay-per-view elimination chamber. 
Yeah. So they had to do the match there because that's the pay-per-view is called yeah, yeah. that. Randy Orton uh, retained his title in the Elimination Changer. Like, right. Somehow Christian was in it. I don't remember don't, how. Don't bring that up. Okay, sorry. And then we get, <laughs> we get to the WrestleMania and CM Punk is gone. And what was supposed to happen is CM Punk was supposed to feud with Triple H because God forbid Triple H doesn't have a WrestleMania right, match for right. a half hour. So instead, they shoehorn Brian into it. Right. With the whole deal being... If he can defeat Triple H at WrestleMania 30, mm-hmm. this is final boss era Triple yeah, H. Where he, you got you got to beat final boss, and then you're allowed to go to the real final stage or right, something. Final stage. Yeah. If he can do that, and that's going to be the opener, then he can be in the main event, and it will become a triple threat match. So we open WrestleMania yeah. with Daniel Bryan, uh, Triple H, and Stephanie is extremely annoying. And as a heel, I mean, she's supposed to be, and she's very annoying yeah. at this one. If you want a, a quick a Cliff Notes explanation of this, I've heard it explained very well, and this is how it is. It's like Triple H comes out, I am the king of kings, the glorious master, and Stephanie's like, he's good. I'm dressed <laughs> different this time, yeah. and, and blah, blah, blah. And then Bryan just kicks him and wins. Yeah, wins. yeah, it's like essentially that's yep. like what happens. He does the, the the yes kick and just wins the match. And one, two, three, you stink. I'm I'm in the main event because it's a Triple H match. It's really long, but it's a good match. I like right, it. Yeah. And the, obviously, Daniel Bryan wins. Everyone's happy about that in right. New Orleans. And then we get to the final match of the night, where it's going to be Batista, Orton, and Daniel Bryan. Now, the guy getting fucked in all of this, the the sympathetic one is actually Randy Orton because no one cares <laughs> Sadly, about him. It's very sad. <laughs> He's like, I keep winning the matches. I keep defending my title and yeah. nobody cares about me. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's very like- sad. I'm a good champion. What? <laughs> like he's trying. Yeah, Batista, meanwhile, is like, <laughs> title match. Title match. <laughs> and I didn't come from Disney for this. <laughs> so everyone, everyone hates Batista, even yeah. though he's supposed to still be a face. But I don't think at this point, I think they know. So it, like, it's Batista, over. It, the Batista hope is gone. Yeah. So he's playing up the heel them, right? Yeah. And Orton's definitely a heel. And Danny Bryan's a big face. And they have a really good match. It's not like the best match ever, but a really good triple threat match. Mm-hmm. And Daniel Bryan is able to get Batista, which is a good way to do it. Mm-hmm. Batista to tap out. Good. Your new champion, Dan O'Brien. Now, with that said, it is rather clear. Th- this looks great if you go- roll it back to SummerSlam, if they had planned it all along, but they didn't. <laughs> yeah. They were just trying to get Brian out of the way. That's like the monkey's paw with all of this, yeah. right? Is that it, look- it looks like the greatest thing they ever did. But they like, didn't they intend. Had, yeah, they manipulated the fans, and yep. they got everything in the right spot. But the real truth of the matter is that they basically fucked up every step of the way, and they and they su- succeeded despite themselves. Yeah, they fell ass backward into this. They yeah. made the right call. Don't get me wrong. To put them in the main event, of right. course they did, because uh, I don't think they wanted their main event to get booed out of the building. Later on, they'd be fine with getting their main well, event booed it, yeah, out of the building. I mean, it's okay when it's Roman Reigns, <laughs> yeah. but other than that, we, <laughs> right. we can't have it booed out of the building. Can't Batista boot out of the building? God forbid. Yeah. So anyway, they really didn't do anything with Daniel Bryan after he won. I mean, he feuded with fucking corporate Kane and shit, man. And yep. I guess that was supposed to be like a big deal because they used to be a team, but it was it was bald corporate. I just think, I just think here's the thing is that I always say about this this in my opinion yeah. is that they kind of like blew their load with the Dana Bryan thing. Yeah, that was one maybe part of the reason like 
how they don't like to always give us what we want is because they basically like in a matter of months gave us everything of Dan and Ryan we would ever want to see. And there was nothing left, right? It was like, well, there's Kane, who he was friends with before. Realistically, like, what were they going to do? I don't know what they were going to do. And the thing is, we never will know because in early May, Mm -hmm. only like two months after WrestleMania, not even, what, a month? Yeah. Daniel Bryan had a pretty serious injury and had to get surgery. And he thought his career was over. Yeah. And then that happened again a little bit later in time. But it was really too short-lived. So, I mean, the win is great. Right, mm-hmm. the title change is great, but unfortunately, for various reasons, booking and apparently booking, and then also what happened to him, they were never able to really do anything with it. It's very sad. It had no impact long term. So, it, but it, to me, it ends the era. It's it's the it's the the bullet or the the period on the CM Punk yeah. reality era. Right, it's the last big fan internet based story thing. Yeah, and I also guess. and also right around that time, Quinn, the shield started to break up. Yeah, these things these things all were like, okay, we're going back to like we're doing what we want to do. And like, you know what I mean? Like that's that's what this all felt like. It coincided with me getting more and more disinterested in what they were doing over yeah. the next couple of years. So it's like if you don't care about um, you know what people actually want to watch, then I don't want to watch it anymore. Yeah, right. You know? right. It's like that's that's it. So anyway, that's the Daniel Bryan win. Yep. I love the moment. It was very cathartic. You know, it was very good, but... It felt like kind of like the fans finally putting their foot down and saying, we were fucking right all along. Yeah. Like, that's what it felt like, ultimately. And I know that's not, like, how wrestling should be or whatever, but it was a different time. It was like, this was like a very short couple of years. Then we got a few with corporate Kane, so I guess it all leveled off. But anyway, that's number nine, folks. Now, there's one more name on the board. Let's see if it's who anyone's expecting. Let's find out who drew number ten. Luger, Hogan, August 1997, Nitro. Wow. I love this match a I, lot. I do too, because this is how you do a title change. It's excellent. Yeah. It's a great, it's a great match. Did, did, was Bret Hart involved in this one? No. Was there a special referee that ran in? Was there supposed to be a fast count? Was it overbooked? No. All it was was some generic ESPN music and a guy torture racking people for a couple weeks, and people liked it. It's all you needed. Like, I'm saying, I'm telling you, those are the two big factors. Yep. So this is uh, Monday Nitro, August 4th, 1997. This, folks, is one of my personal favorite WCW moments that I experienced as a fan of WCW. And I was watching in 97. And the buildup on this is easy. Hogan had come to WCW in 94. Mm -hmm. Luger came in 95. Right. What the hell is he doing here? Yeah. Immediately. Yeah. Immediately, two things are noticed. Luger's 100 times better than he had been in WWF. Good. Right. Yeah. Two, he doesn't like Hulk Hogan. He doesn't like Hulk Hogan, no. So they have a tizzy, right? And Luger has this fantastic run that is, in my opinion, underrated, where he's a heel with the Dungeon of Doom, but all... It's so good. (laughs) This whole thing is very good. I love talking about it. So, okay. So Luger comes in, right? And then, like, a couple weeks, he's just kind of whatever. Yeah. I I feel like he's just like, I'm torture-racking people. I'm back in the WCW, right? So then, he makes a deal where, like, Jimmy Hart is his manager. But at the same time, he's like... But my best friend Sting, he got me back in WCW. Yeah. We're, we're sometimes a tag team, yada, yada, and yada. And had been previously. You know? Right. So Sting's my my friend. He's a big face. Right. 
but I've made kind of a business decision because I think, like, basically he's like, I think, like, Jimmy Hart could, like, really take me to the world title, right. which, you know what, honestly. Manager of champions. Jimmy Hart is not uh, the worst choice to make as uh, going to be your manager, Best right? manager they had. Right? But the thing is, is that Jimmy Hart also had recently left the Hulkster right. for the Dungeon of Doom. So this is, this is, the conflict is born. Luger is, like, technically in the Dungeon of Doom, but here's the thing I want to like point out. He's like an associate out. member. He's like an associate. Like, he's not, it's not like all of a sudden he paints his face and becomes, like, a demon or right. something. Like, he's just, he's Lex Luger, managed by the Dungeon of Doom's manager. Correct. Right? Like, that's how it is. It's What's really funny is that even though he's teaming up with Sting sometimes, and he yeah. acts like a heel behind Sting's back, you know, right. and all that stuff, Luger is in the, um... The cage match against Savage and Hogan, isn't he at Uncensored ninety six? Yeah, he's like he's one of the heels. <laughs> yes! Like, but Sting's not involved in it. <laughs> so, like again, they just kind of do this funny thing where they kind of like keep Sting and Luger away from each other by like different circumstances, that's all. right? Like that's all it is. But when the outsiders come in, May yeah. and June of ninety six, Luger's like, all right, look, I may be an asshole. Right, but this is you know my company that I work yeah, for. Yeah, I mean they brought me back. Right, you, can't you know, have, but I'm not gonna not defend them. Right, this is my Razor meal and ticket. Diesel yeah. coming in here. This is my meal ticket. Right, they're, they're gonna fuck it all up. Right, I was over there too. Yeah, and th- those guys are gonna come in and they're gonna fuck me over, and I'm not gonna be world champion. See, right? there yeah. you go. So he teams up with Sting, which isn't a stretch anyway. And yeah. Randy Savage offers to help out because he doesn't like WWF anymore either. Right, right. yeah. Because of Stephanie, I'm just kidding. And so mm-hmm. we we get the obvious Hogan turn. We all know about that. Now Luger is a full-blown face right. leading up to this match, right? And Hulk Hogan becomes the world champion at uh, Hogwild, August of 96. I just yeah. want to remember, August of 96, right? Luger quietly becomes one of the best things WCW has, but he's not ever really a main event guy. No, no. But he's he, just kind of like week to week on the Nitros and even on Saturday night and all the places. He's just kicking total fucking ass he looks great yep his hair gets better he doesn't have dungeon of doom music anymore yeah he's officially got that public domain music that's, which is awesome that shit i i can't stress enough how much the music helped like he would come out and he'd be like oh fuck yes like lex luger let's kick some ass right, right? it was like you were like super excited about lex luger every time he came out every week and this continues into 97 and the thing is the guy is over yeah he, he it's one of the best periods of, of his career and for me right as a wrestling fan when i started watching he was like getting turned on by tatanka yeah this is real <laughs> kind of just stunk he was a big jabroni to yeah. me as yeah. a fan i was like he's a loser his hair is stupid he looks like macgyver he never wins <laughs> he just he just kind of like like you said he went on this renaissance where it was just like I think it was like surprisingly needed for like a guy that's like a main player yeah. you wouldn't think that he just needs to string some wins together would be the fucking answer right, right. you'd think oh they gotta do something more creative than that they didn't and they said WCW just kinda I think WCW didn't even plan this is like Daniel Bryan again they didn't they didn't realize like they just like okay we'll just put him on Nitro every week and I'll just beat up idiots and no then, that's real like and people kind of just all of a sudden this kind of it started to roll right yep the fans in the in these Nitros and remember Nitros like this party atmosphere there's a lot of people there who probably haven't been to a wrestling show ever or don't, or in a long time or maybe don't even give a shit too much about wrestling but they get they put him in front of these crowds and they're like the big strong guy beating up these fat losers like yeah. we like this it like worked, you know what I mean? man it's fun to watch it right? was i yeah. liked it yeah it i'm admitting to loving this yeah, big happy you know? music plays yeah. after he beats them so much so like it's super brawl which was uh february 97 luger and the giant actually this is a very wcw thing they defeat the outsiders to win the tag titles but like the next day Eric i don't Bischoff's remember like, that yeah you don't you didn't really win okay whatever once again god forbid anything good ever happens <laughs> during this era 
But anyway, Luger then wins the right to uh, get a world title match at some unspecified point right. by winning a Four Corners match at Spring Stampede. That's April 97. Okay, so we're building, we're building, we're building. Now he's got a shot. Then he teams up with the Giant again to uh, defeat Hogan and Dennis Rodman because, again, 1997. That's I, good for WCW. No, that's Anytime good. Anytime there's a celebrity, that's, that's a good. great thing for WCW. Let's, let's uh, be I'm not putting... And Rod, Rodman was great. Yeah. And next season, we'll be talking about celebrities and wrestling, so that'll be mm-hmm. fun. Now, that's a bash at the beach, okay? That's July 97. So, see how the build is working with Luger? Right. You know how he wins that match? He makes Hogan submit to the torture rack. Aha. Uh-huh. So, it's like, oh, shit, Hogan's vulnerable. Now, so, m- mind so yeah, you, it's the first time we've really seen since he turned NWO, like, him, like, give up or, right. give, like, it was like, oh, wait a sec, like, somebody can actually, like, beat him. And he's been the champion this whole fucking time. Right. So we're going on one year now of Hogan's like literal reign of terror, you know? Yeah. He squeaks away. Roddy Piper couldn't beat him, which is amazing. Right. No, well, well, wait Piper a did beat him he at Starcade 96. But it was like considered fake or I don't it know. It was a non-title match. I don't even understand. But they never what said the, that. Remember they like erased it from TV, <laughs> but like in kayfabe. <laughs> It's like Eric Bischoff's got the tapes or something. Right. Yeah. It was. Like, there was this whole thing where like we, we're gonna finally show it to you. Or right. like I that was all dumb. So then we get to a WCW Nitro, August 4th, 97. This is the night after WWF SummerSlam. Just keep that in mind, okay? Mm-hmm. And this is during a period of time, and I'm not faulting him in this regard, where Bischoff was gonna put anything he could on Nitro to try to beat WWF and Obviously, they've been beating Raw for well over a year. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't that hard to yeah. do. But it's a night after the WWF's pay-per-view, which mm-hmm. was a big one. Bret Hart you know, won the world Five title. and all that, yeah. Sean was on the precipice of turning heel. So stuff was starting to perk up yeah, over there. Yeah, WWF was looking promising. They were. They had a great 97 for the most part. So what we got is an impromptu match on Nitro. World champion Hulk Hogan. Defending against Lex Luger. And we're in a great market here. We're in um, Auburn Hills, Detroit, you know, Michigan. The Palace of Auburn the Hills. The Palace, Michael. Great, great crowd. I, I, this is a match I go back to watch a lot. I it, love it! Because it, it's so fun. So we have a match. And despite anything the NWO tries, Luger gets Hogan in the middle of the ring. Torture rack. Randy Anderson can't believe it. Doesn't he do this thing with his head where he's yes. like, ah! Like and he like points and like it's like he's got it he's got it. Lex Luger wins the title clean. He wins and like then like all the WW people come out and they're like yes it's finally over fucking Hulk loses great it's like everyone's celebrating there's champagne everywhere Giants cleaning it off with like paint remover yeah he's cleaning <laughs> off the NW that's the first time the paint came off yes. the belt too that's another big thing and by the way Shivani's call was simple and perfect he's like Luger won the title Luger won the title perfect and we finally perfect. think it's oh like NWL loses it's over blah 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 but because they are still building this fucking sting angle that paid off really well in December, by the way, and really, be, really well. Let, let's be honest. They were still also making gobs of money oh, from the new gobs. World order. They, 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 they couldn't were. keep them not at the top. Of course. For very long. This was just intended to be like a, a quick like pop. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because five days later at Road Wild, you can't call it hog anymore. Now it's road in Sturgis. Oh, sorry, road. Not allowed to call it hog. Is this the one Bobby's drunk at this road? No, Wild? he's done. Well, probably all of them, but he's on the air drunk at a uh, at Hog Wild '96. Okay. Anyway, Luger loses the strap right back to Hogan at Road Wild. So, really, the implication on this is actually negative, as much as I love it. Right. 
because it's, a, it's done better, but I it's guess done me, amazingly to me. I think the line for this one, is it better than Goldberg Hogan or is it better? Like, you know what I mean? Like, cause they're very similar. Like well, yeah. they're almost the exact same formula. Guy beats the shit out of losers for a bunch of weeks in a row. <laughs> Luger just, it's shorter. Right. You know, now when I saw this as a kid, I could not believe it. I was running around my living room. Yes, folks. I really did watch WCW. I know people think I always hated it. Great moment. But I loved this. Now, I was very pissed off when I heard that he lost it right back to Hogan. Wow. And I got Because who was going to order mad. a WCW pay-per-view, <laughs> yeah. in all honesty? So, what a good moment, though, and just a, a classic. I'll always remember it. Yeah. Everything about it was done well, and it sits in stark contrast to that pile of steaming shit that they served up at Starcade four months later. Yeah. This is how you do it right. This is how you do it right. It's a shame because like all they had to do was just like they didn't they just had to do the Luger thing again, right? They With had Sting. to have a finish. Yeah, that yeah, fucking finish. made that's, sense. That's all I mean. It's like the Sting build was great. It was just like it's just what it ended at, right? It was like just do what they did with Luger. He just right. wins. He like just that's wins. it. You don't have to make it fancy. <laughs> right. You know what I mean? It's just like, wins. Yeah, you just you don't have to do anything special here. He just beats the fucking shit out of Hulk Hogan. Right. Like I just it's always it's always to me it's like yeah they got there but it's like what the fuck like so, you know? so wait did Sting and Hogan deliver? Like it delivered, it, it delivered in the sense of just like they sting one, but it's just like you're annoying. doing this on purpose what at this mean? point. I, I know, know you are. Anyway, okay, this has nothing to do with that. No, anyway. let's let's rank. Okay, let's say do what they did with Luger. That's what they should have done. <laughs> let's rank, folks. This is it. Uh, I'll run them down real quick. Hogan Sheik, number one. Mm-hmm. Cena Punk, number two. Flair ninety two Rumble, number three. Warrior Hogan, number four. Goldberg Hogan, number five. Austin Michaels, number six. Seven Rock Mankind. Eight is Savage and Flair. And now we flip over to uh, Daniel Bryan, Quinn. To me, that's very much like Savage Flair uh, or Rock Mankind. It's not yeah, it's that like, important, unfortunately. It should be. Like, it, it's one of those. I think the build is actually better than both of those matches. The build itself. Oh, is the build is better. 100%. Even if it is accidental. It is. I almost think, like, looking back, the more retrospective we get with that, that match. Yeah, it's getting further and further away. The further and further it gets... The more like the mistakes somehow make it better, and I don't know how. Like it's like one of those. It's just such a bizarre fucking situation. Yeah, like if you look at it like it was planned, it's fucking brilliant. Yeah. If you look at it as if they planned it that way. Yeah. You know they have this fucking Randy Orton who no one really likes, and you have Triple H turning heel, and you have the guy, the the little guy, right? The underdog. And you got all the side shit going right. on in the Rumble. In the Rumble. And like, yeah. It's Bray like, Wyatt being annoying. If you if you didn't know any better, you would think Vince Russo booked this shit. Like in his like prime. Or you know Pat Patterson. I mean? Yeah, with like just how like messy, but like it, it makes Weave sense. together, yeah. 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 And then bringing in the guy from Hollywood. I mean, what were they thinking? What were they thinking that people were going to be okay with Batista or, being the champion? Or if you're watching it 20 years from now and have no clue about any of this, you're like, this is fucking brilliant. Right. You would, and think you would that. Th- Like, if you watched every part of this, right, 20 years later with no, like, context of that they right. actually fucked it up, you would you would see, bring the Hollywood guy and would see, like, oh, my God, that's so smart. It's like, everyone's going to fucking hate him, right? right? It was like, but, you know what I mean? As we always say, the best part is how they were just clueless. They yeah. didn't have their finger on the pulse of the people when it came to yeah. Batista. It, it was works just, in its favor, it and I don't, in its favor. I don't even understand how. Because it makes Triple H and Stephanie seem like actual fucking, like, truly out-of-touch yeah. heels. Like, it's, it's, it's amazing to me. Yeah. 
Now, with that said, yeah, I agree. The bill. I love Savage Flair. Okay, I'm not trying to crap on. I love Savage Flair. I mm-hmm. really do. This is just to me like average. I don't understand why it's on this list. It's a feel good moment, mm-hmm. just like Rock Mankind and just like Danny Bryan. All three of those are really good, cathartic, feel good moments. Right. It was really good to see Randy Savage become the champion again, and this time having nothing to do with Hogan. Right. On his own, no bullshit. He just beats Ric Flair. Right. Little handful of trunks, but that's about it. Rock Mankind is just because it's like, God, Mankind won the title. You know, it's just so feel good. Daniel Bryan, it's feel good. He's the same thing. I was like, at the time, I really thought they would like really never give Daniel Bryan the the world title. Like for real. Yeah. Like not just like, oh, he won the fake title or like, you know, or he gets some day long victory or a couple minutes or whatever. But I could have said the same thing about mankind. You know, he, uh, no one, I don't think ever thought of him as future world champion. Right. And it just felt great. I do do think the difference between mankind and Daniel Bryan's like push or like was the motives behind it. Like as to why the fans wanted it was for mankind. It was like, we just wanted to get the title once. It'll be feel good or whatever. Yeah. Whereas Daniel Bryan, it was like a true movement. It'd be like, we want to, we want the company to be like centered around Daniel Bryan, right? Not just the champion. Like that which was they were never gonna do. Which but they never were gonna do. Of but course not. But the fact not. that they got Makes that sense. that close, where the company actually from about the Royal Rumble, the WrestleMania was centered around Daniel Bryan. Kind yeah, of was amazing. the hottest thing going. It was kind of fucking amazing, actually. Yeah, it was. Yeah. The implications, though. I don't know. We don't need to make this too hard. The implications might be bigger than that. That's the thing. It's like the implications are in a negative but large yeah, scale. But, uh, it, it, yeah, mean, it means that there's no fucking hope in the corporate WWE for like somebody people actually like, like <laughs> unfortunately. Yeah, but that's always going to be the case because yeah. that's not what they worry about. Mm-hmm. Uh, I love Savage Flair. I think it's great. I think the angle's great. It's not that I don't... <sighs> yeah, I, I think it... I, I think Daniel Bryan winning is more, for me, is more important to me. It is. It was you know? very important to me as a fan. I, I do. I truly believe that. I actually, like I said... It's actually more important than the Rock Mankind like one day title switch too. Like it's just like it wasn't one day. I mean, I mean, like it was very short. It's a different era where they were constantly flipping the title back and forth, which does lessen its importance. Yeah, I'll give you that. And I really just think the whole build, like I really just was very absorbed into this whole this whole Brian. story they told yeah. since SummerSlam, even though they didn't mean to tell it. But like, they, regardless, I was I was hooked. You were hooked. We were really into it. It can't go any higher than Rock Mankind though. Yeah, I don't think it has the same impact as Austin Michaels. That was, again, we've said it plenty of times. I do think there's part of it that it's like, because it's newer, it's like technically holding it back. It's one of those, like, you might return to this list in a couple years and it might go up a spot or two. I don't even know, because Austin, in his own way, I mean, that was like his culmination, finally being the guy winning the title. You know what I mean? Right. But that actually kicked off something, and Daniel Bryan's wasn't going to. Yeah. It's so, it, it, for my mind, again, Michaels is kind of the formality that could have been anybody yeah. that Austin was it's beating. It's one of those things where, like, the before is, is is way better than most things on Daniel Bryan. Yeah. But the after is way worse than most things. Kind of like Warrior but, Hogan. But there's other things on this. Is like, again, Austin Michaels, the before was like nothing. The but, build was good, though, Quinn. Let's not... Hang on, yeah. hang on. Let's not forget... The whole lead up with Mike Tyson that was very well regarded. It was very fun, very yes. chaotic. And the Vince side of it, too, where Vince started to turn heel. Yeah. There is good buildup on this. It just weirdly wasn't as memorable, I guess, as like the whole, like, Daniel Bryan had a lot of moments going into this, like, already. Well, you ruined it as a moment. The DX public workout is a moment. Yes. There's a lot of stuff. Mm-hmm. 
I don't want to like shortchange Austin Michaels too much. It's yeah. just that it, to me, it's a formality. Yeah. I think, I think I this think is like perfectly seven. rated. Like this is, it's fine. Yeah. I think it's fine at seven, right? Yeah. I, again, I like, uh, I like it more. Yeah, I'm not going like to throw any more weight behind trying to get it above Austin Michaels. No. I just don't think it's going to... It's close, though. I like it more. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? I, I think it's happier. I think yeah, it, I do like it more. But it didn't... Uh, we have to be scientific, though, right? Well, yeah, of course. People are going to get upset if like this big, important, moment-changing thing is going to get superseded by a very feel-good, great build. Well, why is Goldberg Hogan above Austin Michaels anyway? That's, this is a great build, and it's a great moment. And that it's like the same concept. Yeah, but it didn't lead to anything good. Right. But th- I guess that's the point. It's that's like, what I'm saying. Should we then move up Brian Orton, Batista? Like, because it's it's more in line with the Goldberg-Hogan thing. Yeah, fuck it. Yeah, you know what You're I right. mean? Like, You're I'm right. You're right. All right, let's okay. do that then. So Brian Orton-Batista goes up to number six. Is it better than Goldberg-Hogan? To me, that is so close. That's it's like almost identical. It's it's like long build, like great explosion, good moment at the end. Yeah, it's like, and they it, did it, nothing it, with the champion. Did nothing with it. Yeah, did nothing <laughs> with them. It's like identical. I mean, that just it's leave six it. a dozen of one, half a dozen of the other. What could be tied for all I care. Just leave it at six. Then yeah, leave it at six. Okay, that's a good spot for it, though. Yeah, honestly, yeah. again, another feel good moment. One yeah. of the most feel good ones on here. Mm-hmm. I like it better than Goldberg. I still don't agree with Goldberg Hogan being that I, high. I, I don't know why you love it so much. Not I, that good. To me, the Goldberg Hogan just plays into my love for like the B shows. Right. I, you, you know what I mean by yeah, that too. Yeah. It's like I, I know that's a stupid thing, but it really does play into that. Okay. Every single thing in the company matters, not just like the main show. Okay, Quinn. You know, Luger Hogan. Luger Hogan. Unfortunately, no build. No. Well, I mean, build by happenstance because of the. But it, it's not no, really... No, there re- is, Bill. What are you talking about? But it's I, not really related to I, the... It's I, the, You're thinking of all the Dungeon of Doom shit no, before, I'm not. right? I'm explaining how Lex Luger won himself a title shot at Spring Stampede. I'm explaining how he put Hogan on the rack at Bash at the Beach and made him submit. How he that got is there, the though, was very typical. They'd done that with a lot of people and in WCW. Like, no different than what Goldberg's build was, and you crow about how great the Goldberg build was. It's more short-term, though. Right, it's not. It doesn't have the same. They did it over like so. two or two months or something. Right, it was like maybe it was, four it was very, months. It was all very quick from the that's loser a perspective. long ass time back then. What are you talking about? I just mean to say is like I don't know if it's better than Goldberg Hogan because well, I don't even put it above Savage Flair yet. We gotta yeah, go. We gotta okay. work this up the ladder. I think it's better than Savage Flair. I, you know what? The yeah. moment is, but yeah. literally nothing. Else. Here's the problem: nothing else is because it was a five day title reign. Right. It's one of the best changes ever. It's one of my happiest moments, but for the same reason... The change is, is all of it, That's right? all it is, yeah. though. I mean, we can talk and love like how Luke was in Dungeon of Doom and stuff, but none of that really like holds a candle to much of anything. I'm just giving backstory, yeah. but the point is here, right? I love Rock Mankind, right? Mm-hmm. But you were able to successfully argue Goldberg Hogan above it, right? And now there's a bunch of things above Rock Mankind, right? Yeah. Luger Hogan, sadly, is pretty much the same thing. Yeah, that's what I love it, right? I, I fucking love it, too. It's, but it's very happy. All it led to was him losing the title five days later. So yeah, that's, and, and Luger was never the same again after. To me, it's like, sadly, in a weird way, it's like peak Luger and also kind of the end of Lex Luger. It's also the end of WCW. No, it isn't, yep. but... Is it number 10, though, or is it better than Savage Flair? It's I mean, better than Savage Flair, is it but really? I, I think it's a nine. <laughs> 
Because Savage Flares is whatever. Like <laughs> That's not I, whatever. It's it a is. great moment. Yeah, but it's just so... And once again and all that, it's a great moment, Quinn. I just don't and the match is on, good. And Bobby I and Gorilla. should be on this list. Oh, come on. Uh, I think I'm, well, I don't either. I probably wouldn't have thought yeah, of it. But. I wouldn't have even voted it. To me, it's not like an all-time thing. It's just another step in the ongoing 1992-ish thing going on. Can I make a proposition? Yeah. I want to put Luger Hogan... You're not going to believe this. I want to put Luger Hogan above Rock Mankind. What? Yeah. I, okay. I'll take it, but I don't know why. Do you agree or no? What do you think? Or is Rock Mankind probably better? Luger has more punch to it. There's I don't more know how, punch. I don't know how to say it. It's like, you know when a moment, like, you look at two moments and you're it's like, there's one that's like really feel good, but it's more subtle about it. And then there's one that's just like, boom, in your fucking face. Yeah. Like, Lex Luger is that. You know what, though? Yeah, I think Rock Mankind's probably a little bit happier and led to a little bit better. There's a little more heart to yeah, it. Yeah, there's more. Okay. So Luger Hogan, I'll put it number nine. Is that where we're going to leave mm-hmm. it? Yeah. I would love to put that as like number fucking one because it's my one of my favorite things that has ever happened, especially in WCW. But Luger Hogan? Yeah. Not number one? But the problem, I know, I can't. I'm saying in terms of my favorites, that yeah. would be like number one or two. Yeah. But again, five day reign. If we're, yeah. if we're talking strictly up to the one, two, three count and the celebration, it's way up there. I still view it as a very like, it just kind of happens sort of angle, like a just a bunch of little, little tiny things in the undercard and on the B shows and everything kind of just converging yeah. into this like weird moment where it just kind of made sense. Just like made it's sense. like, it just kind of like, it just by happenstance yeah. and it ended up being a good moment and I liked it. But it didn't mean anything. It didn't really have the same... It had emotion, but not the same kind of emotion as Mankind, where it's like the idea is like, this guy's career. Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? This same is like his Daniel only Bryan. fucking moment. Like, you know, yeah, Dan Bryan's the same kind of idea. Yeah. Um, but yeah. Okay. Now, before we finalize here, I want to mention a few, because you're probably surprised, folks, at some things that didn't make it, and so am I. Sure. Now, this one I, I actually didn't think of, but it is a great title change. Edge... John Cena, New Year's Revolution 2006. That, that yeah. was another one where it was like, I didn't see that coming. Edge winning the title yeah. for the first time, beating the unbeatable. The, the, the concept that the money in the bank had not never been used, so nobody really yep. knew what the hell to expect yep. from it. Like, so that was, like, people I think thought, oh, they're going to have like a formal match with this thing or yep. whatever. Like, nobody really ever thought that it would be used like that. Yep. It was great. Yeah. Great moment. I'm surprised. I'm actually surprised this one didn't make it, but we have a lot, you know, our fans vote, obviously. And if, mainly WWF skewing fans vote. That's going to skew the voting, but I'm surprised Flair Vader at Starcade 93 didn't make it. It got votes, but not enough. You mean the whole thing with Charlotte and everything? Ashley. Ashley. Yeah, but it's a very feel-good moment, which are rare in WCW. True. And uh, and Flair was kind of like a last-minute replacement. Remember, it was supposed to be Sid. Psycho Scissor Sid. You know what I don't remember? When I think of WCW things, did what about the... The Sting Flair, like when Sting first was new or whatever. That one I thought would have might made it, but yeah. uh, no, Sting Flair is not on this. Everyone always says that that's like what made Sting. We didn't beat him. Though. It was a draw, wasn't it? I don't know, but like I know Sting. Are won. you talking about the first clash? Whatever. Whenever Sting first got the belt. You're when Sting first won. Okay. Yeah. This one, I'm really surprised didn't make it. Again, it's probably because it's WCW, but I would have thought of, I thought of this one. And I thought for sure we'd be talking about it because it's a fantastic fucking moment. Ron Simmons defeating Vader August 92 for the that WCW. That was excellent. Yeah. It was fucking unexpected. Vader had been on a tear. This is like prime Vader. Yeah. 
I think that suffers by the the idea like yeah, where it's, it's WCW like, and they suck. It's it's in a very low period for WCW. True. Like they yeah. they were looking to pop a surprise on yeah. people. Like they, nobody expected that. that yeah, that's had, exactly what they were going for. And he had like a four month run. It wasn't really long, but it was still one of those moments. And uh, RVD Cena, I thought would have made mm. it. It got votes. Yeah, uh, obviously from One Night Stand in two thousand six. That one was for all the ECW fans. That's what that represented. And I remember that being a very good moment for those. Those fans, it was like this idea that this company everyone loved that got cut short. It yeah. was like, can we have one of our wrestlers like beat the best WWF guy? Like that was like the idea behind it. And it was C- very good. And Cena was fucking game that yeah. night. I mean, he it was just a great one night stand time. is one of the greatest shows yeah. they ever did. Both of them are. Like They're it's both really it's good. Really weirdly spooky good. Yep. Like it's amazing. So those are some of the names that didn't make it. And again, that's just the voting folks. We don't vote, we just rank. And we know that not everyone agrees with our list. And you know what? That is quite all right. But here it is to run it down as we have finally reached the official Quinn. It is officially USDA certified and organic. Just yeah, the, the cows you know. have come home. Yes, they have come home. And number one, Hogan Chic. Number two, which looks funny on paper, Cena Punk. But I mean, the angle, everything about it's good. You have to study the science. It's important. <laughs> number three, Flair winning the Rumble. Mm-hmm. Four is Warrior Hogan. Which I would love to put higher, but it, they dropped the ball this rain. Same thing with Goldberg Hogan. Same thing with Brian Orton Batista. Austin Michaels just it needs to be on there, I guess. Yeah. It's fine. It, it, it's <laughs> tradition or whatever. And then the run of feel-good ones here at the bottom. Rock Mankind is very feel-good. Mm-hmm. Luger Hogan, very feel-good. Savage Flair, very oh, feel-good. The, the feel-good section. None of them matter, though. Yeah, none of them matters, but it's feel. <laughs> but it makes you great. feel happy. That's right. And folks, we hope we made you feel happy here on the final Royal Rankings of the season. Let us know what you think. Do that on Twitter at OVP Podcast. Shoot us an email or join the group. But when we come back, we're going to go to our happy place. It's WWF Superstars, and that is coming up right after this. Ladies and gentlemen, the total package, Lex Luger. This great city all across America right now, people are tuning in, TNT. Lex Luger, you're going to be facing the WCW heavyweight champion, Hollywood Hulk Hogan. Your thoughts? You know, I've been focusing on one thing and one thing only, and that was Sturgis in a world title match. But, you know, sometimes opportunity knocks when you least expect it. There are defining moments in everyone's life, in everyone's career. This is the defining moment for the total package Lex Luger. This is a defining moment for WCW and the NWO where our paths finally collide. And Hogan, I'll give you one thing and one thing only. I'll give devil his due. Maybe you did make professional wrestling what it is today. But tonight, I make history because I guarantee one thing to millions of viewers out there and everyone here in the arena, that I'm going to slap you up in the rack and become the new WCW World Heavyweight Champion tonight. Hello, wrestling fans. It's time to shout out our friends of the show now. These are other independent podcasters that do their best each and every week to put out a unique program focusing on old wrestling, kind of like OVP. Let's start with the best of Southern Fried Wrestling. We're talking filthy. We're talking unprofessional wrestling podcast. We're talking about booking the territory where you will get your fix of the NWA each week. And then for a whimsical journey led by one man, Pete Winson, 
check out Greetings from Allentown. It might be WWF, it might be WCW, it could be Mid-South. So check out our friends of the show. We're talking about booking the territory and Greetings from Allentown. And welcome back, wrestling fans, to our Vantage Point, the Retro Wrestling Podcast. Thanks again for being with us here. It is episode 229. 229! Thank you, Quinn. Quinn? Yeah? We're reviewing something. Yes, we are. We're doing it. We're doing it. And folks, if you want us to review something, what we're doing now is we're just almost exclusively doing your suggestions. We are. All you have to do is go to our Facebook group, if you haven't joined it yet, and there's an announcement post called Specific Episode Review Requests. Put in a link to it if it's on YouTube or Daily Motion or anything. If not, just put in the date of the show mm-hmm. or at least what happens in the show, and we will try to get to it. We're just doing these in perpetuity. We're just, yeah, we're just going to keep rolling along here. Keep rolling along here. Now, this one was suggested by a newer fan of the show, Jonathan Facento. Facento, I don't know how to pronounce his last name, but he's been a great supporter of us for the last year or so. So thank you for uh, suggesting something. Yep, and this is right up our alley, Quinn. WWF Superstars Wrestling. June 18th, 88. Uh, we love doing superstars. It's a fantastic show that's well-paced. It's actually much easier to review than most shows because a lot of shows that we review are so boring that I have to take <laughs> breaks and I hate them. Like You know what I mean? Like They're very very challenging to watch and Tedious. take notes. Yeah. yeah. So Superstars is always very simple yep. and nice. I agree. I always like doing a syndicated WWF programming. It's a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. And you can pretty much drop us into any era of it and it's a good time, you know? Yeah. This is really an era where not much was going on just yet because it's that post-WrestleMania 4, mm-hmm. but they're not quite building the SummerSlam 88 just yet. You could tell that they're just doing the, like, we're doing house shows of the WrestleMania matches across yeah. the country still. Yeah. Like, that's, like, what this is. It's that those two or three months after WrestleMania when they're just doing, oh, come see it in some barn in, <laughs> in Kansas or whatever, like the same thing you saw on TV. Yeah, they're kind of tying up those loose yeah. ends before they hop into a SummerSlam build you know in yeah. earnest hey bar but 88 obviously quinn is a great year for the wwf in terms of everything in terms of national exposure in terms of international yep. exposure no doubt about it making money tv ratings mm-hmm. all of it merch and this is that rare period of time where hulk hogan is not the world champion good and th- oh mm-hmm. and things are still okay is the more important thing yeah, right yeah and everything is kind of holding together strong yep he's actually still not on tv yet he hasn't come back yet as far as i remember no not yet Randy Savage is the world champion. He had won in the tournament at WrestleMania 4. That's kind of the era that we're dropping you into, folks, is yeah. what would be happening, you know, in the world of the WWF 33 years ago? Wow. That seems much longer than it feels. <laughs> I know, right? Yeah. So without any further ado, let's find out. It is WWF Superstars, June 18th, 1988. Nice, refreshing 1988 for a change. Yeah. A simpler time, Joe. It is, Quinn. I really like this late 80s period. I do too. It's just very, it's just you walk in and it feels welcoming. Yep. Unlike any WWF show today. Like, <laughs> yeah, I know, right? Amazing. Uh, we get the, you know, the Canyon intro as usual for mm-hmm. the time. Canyon Midi or whatever. Canyon Midi. The WWF, what the world is watching. We get a crowd shot here with the Oakland Alameda County Coliseum and we get a, an outside shot of the Coliseum and then... <laughs> The executive vice president of the Coliseum, Bob Quintello, welcomes us. Cue the who cares. Who cares? Pretty much. Th- that's it. <laughs> this what is the- was this? By the way, like, they always did this in this time period where, like, here's the guy who who's the head of the arena or something. Like, <laughs> here's he, the shopkeeper. Yeah, it's like, what? We're very happy to welcome the World uh, Wrestling Federation here to the Oakland Alameda Coliseum. 
and I'm very pleased to welcome WWF to the great city of Oakland, California. This poor guy. I feel bad for him. <laughs> and you know, like, imagine if they did this today, Joe. They like, should. It's just every week on Raw. They're Spice like, and here's, a here's uh, Bill Fredrickson, and he he's the administrator <laughs> of the arena we're in or whatever. That'd be great, actually. Yeah. Uh, so we see Jesse and Vince in front of us green screen, and I think Richard can tell me for sure. This is, if it's not the first time they use it, it's one of the first times they use the green well, screen. They did a good job, because I didn't even really notice Almost positive because huh. they had just gotten it. They were like all proud when they got it in the spring of 88. <laughs> well, they, they use it for other things in this show. They use it all the time. Yeah. Uh, now, Vince has the powder blue suit and he definitely needs a haircut. Yeah. Jesse with the leather zebra coat, <laughs> yep. the like modified version of yep. what he usually wears. Yep. I'm Vince McMahon along with Jesse the Body Ventura. And do we ever have action for you this way? Jesse makes some kind of Hell's Angels reference because they're in Oakland. No response from like a dismayed Vince. He's all like, yeah. Mm. Anyway, we get the uh, classic intro. Yeah, the NES intro. The best intro of Superstars. Yeah, that it's one. It's good. And we run down the action. No spoilers, Quinn. Yeah, we're not allowed. <laughs> we I, don't... I, I stopped taking notes on it because I know that it just gets thrown in the garbage can by you. We don't spoil. Yeah. Okay. Now, though, the British Bulldogs music hits and the dogs charge out with Matilda. Because 1988, of, of course. It's yeah. the year of Matilda. I'm surprised Craig DeGeorge wasn't chasing after them yeah. with a microphone. Matilda, what do you think? <laughs> Matilda, <laughs> how are you doing? Yeah. Uh, Vince thinks Matilda's beautiful, and Jesse's like, she's fat. Isn't <laughs> <laughs> she beautiful? Matilda. Well, you can tell she looks like she's gained about 20 pounds. He's a fat dog. <laughs> it's, the, it's the breed type, Jess. Yeah, it's true. Their opponents flee the ring, no pun intended there, mm-hmm. uh, when the dogs come in. And Fink introduces them while they're outside. It is Barry Horowitz and Terry Gibbs. Lovely. <laughs> Terry Gibbs is so, like, common in the right time. He's, like, generic jobber. <laughs> He's always, like, or whatever, yeah, like, pose I, he does. I, well, who, is, who is that guy? <laughs> he, I, he looks like a heel jobber that you just want to see him get his ass beat. Yeah. Right? Like, it's, honestly. He's, like, slick back. And he's... Just looks like, like a douchebag. He's accountant-like. Yeah. Like, I, I don't know. <laughs> uh, Dave Hebner, the good Hebner, will be a referee as we get a bell. Davey and Gibbs start here. Side hug by Gibbs. Shove off by Davey, who... Is he still in the Navy? I think this might be a Navy period okay, for him. Just checking. <laughs> Shoulder block by Gibbs goes nowhere. Leg leapfrog by Davey. And a hip toss followed by a scoop slam. Tag in a dynamite. Quinn, I want to mention two things here. Both bulldogs look rather large, mm-hmm. and they have very long, fluffy hair. Like mm-hmm. for the for this period of time, they you notice. Honestly, I was surprised how good they even look. They look good I, this I'm week. Always surprised when Dynamite looks this good this late. Yeah, I mean, this I, is almost the end of the run for them. Yeah, where his like back is like fucked up or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah we're getting towards the end here. A uh, beautiful snap suplex by Dynamite Horowitz, then tags in all proud as Howard Finkel butts in to uh, plug the WWF <sighs> at Cape Cod on June thirtieth. The WWF returns to Cape Cod. The date will be Thursday night, June 30th in South Dennis at the Tony Kent Arena. When does this end? Like, how long is the... the when did we get to the, the airplane zone or whatever where they kind of siphon him off to not interrupt our matches every week? I think... I remember the last time we dealt with this, I asked Richard, and he did tell me they were at least doing it in, like, 92 still or something oh like that. Oh, my God. Yeah, it's it's a long so time. long. I know. Now, at this card, Quinn, we're going to have Georgie Animal Steel, the Young Stallions, <laughs> Brian Blair by himself. This sounds horrible. <laughs> They're so sending far. all the big names. Yeah, it's a Cape Cod. <laughs> Meanwhile, we get a scoop slam by Horowitz. He goes up top and gets tossed off. Davey's back in. 
snap mare into a chin lock a chin lock in mm, this match mm, do we weird. need that hey, come on move it along this is <laughs> you know what these are supposed what are to doing? be yeah <laughs> insert now from the rougers hi who are happily waving their tiny flags now you'll notice though quinn no jimmy hart yet right this is during that period of time where the rougers are acting like the rougers mm-hmm. but they're not officially heel yet it's I that like, you yeah. know the transition right well they have a plan here and <laughs> yeah. i like it yeah because ray's like hi did you know we are French Canadian, but soon to be American? <laughs> they, like this is their plan to get fans. Yeah, like, they're they, going to be they, Americans. They're, they're like, we're going to use like the British Bulldogs. Only the British people like them, right? See? So the idea is like fans are going to like us better because now we're going to have the French Canadian fans and the American fans, and See? we're going to have the most fans. They have the flags. And, yeah, and they they seem very much like they're like American fans. We are ready. We are ready for you to cheer us now. We like you. Well, we are sure that we are going to have a great time taking on the British Bulldogs, whatever, right? Yeah, yeah. And then, a, I like this part, Ray stumbles on his words, but they just completely keep it in because fuck it, I'll drop well, it yeah, in. Yeah, there's a reason, because Vince no- notices it. Yep. And if ever we had the honor, the honor, the honor yeah. of getting in the ring with the British Bulldogs. And then Jacques says, we can beat the Bulldogs because of the new support from our beautiful fans. They're sure the fans will love them. They're, they're just very, this is, most, this is some Jacques Rougeau shit right I here. Love like, them. This, is, this is some. Um, this is some high heel right <laughs> yeah. here. We have a bunch of fans now. Yeah. We're going to be good because of them. It really does like fit the Jacques Rougeau <laughs> character, like thinking he's popular. Like, it's it's amazing. I love it. I love the Rougeau so much, man. Yeah. Uh, Vince now, we go back to them. He makes fun of Ray's talking and Jesse's like, why don't you shove it, big man? You never talk no good all the time either or whatever, yeah, what right? What is this, by the way, like? It's like they're immigrants. Like, what? what is, why are you insulting them in such ma- a manner? You're saying like, hey, they, they can't speak. Speak American or whatever. Yeah. Meanwhile, Vince, notothstanding this match yeah, going on yeah, or whatever, exactly. then from there. Anyway, uh, this rustling match going on, we get a big delayed vertical suplex by Davion Gibbs. Running po- power slam is set up. Tag to Dynamite, Cheekin. Slam by Davy, <laughs> and he presses Dynamite onto Gibbs for the win. Nice and quick, superstars. Yay. Jesse, of course, bitches about Matilda as we get a replay of the finish. And now we get an update from the pages of WWF Magazine. Hosted by Lord Hayes this week for reasons. You want to know the reasons? Not Gene. Because yeah. Gene was gone. Remember that really brief oh, period? The, the contract expired for a week thing yeah, or whatever. Those... And he didn't film like three episodes because yeah. of it. <laughs> yeah, I don't know how many tapings he missed. It's not a lot. Richard or somebody can tell me and look it up. But I know that Gene's back by WrestleFest. How did they like forget to re-sign him like, i think he left during uh, a dispute or uh, something okay. it's like give me ten dollars more jack or whatever and it, <laughs> didn't, it didn't work tony well, yeah. who's signing him what do you think know, how do you think this who, works who handles these back then is it jack oh, tony i just want to make sure i get a good compensation package anyway lord alfred talks about demolition they're very good and they kick strike false's ass recently right he might not say it like that but anyway rick martell is out with a concussion they say in real life, Martell took time off to take care of his wife, I think this was. I, I can't remember. Maybe she was having a baby or something. I think she she was sick. I can't remember because he left a few times for, for certain reasons. But right. uh, Martell wouldn't come back until, you know, early 89 and mm-hmm. then do the strike force reformation. Uh, yes. So anyway, Martell is out. Demolition's a champs, obviously. Mm-hmm. But also, Quinn, Harley Race is now out of action due to a match that he had in March uh, against Hulk Hogan on Saturday night's main event. It's a weird transition <laughs> yeah. to be talking about this. Yeah, I know. I didn't expect that. So we now get clips for fun. We see Bobby grabbing Hogan's leg. Harley sneaks from behind with some headbutts on Hogan. This is Saturday night's main event, March 12th, 88. Mm-hmm. Some brawling on the outside. Hogan gets thrown onto that random table that just happened to be there for no reason. He's showing way too much of this match, by the <laughs> yeah. way. I'm just 
Just saying, it should, we only should have seen the table thing. Yeah, I tried to compress this, but this is like minutes yeah, of this it's match. Yeah, it's so long. It is long. For superstars. And then Harley, you know, Hogan's on the table. Harley goes for the falling head, but Hogan actually moves. And Harley, in real life, seriously injured himself doing this uh, his abdomen. And he did briefly work the WrestleMania 4 Battle Royal. But other than that, I mean, he was... I didn't know that this legit hurt him. Pretty much. It all but ended his career. And I say that because he did come back, obviously. Right, yeah. He fought Haku, Rumble 89. Then he wrestled into 91, but I mean, this caused him some serious problems, yeah. Wow. It did. Nowadays, that would have been a normal spot, but it was also like a real table. That's the problem. It was the kind of table that had the metal like border around the edge of it. Yeah. Like one of those library conference room tables from right. 1975. Yeah. You know, so when he landed on it, it bent but only because a 250-pound guy was landing on it. Exactly. He felt all the pain going through. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So it didn't break his fall. Let me mm-hmm. put it that way. He broke the table, and it broke him. That's real deep. Edgar Allen piece of shit. Back to Lord Alfred Hayes, who throws to a very somber Bobby Heenan, who's holding Harley's crown in his robe, and he's you know saying how Harley had to abdicate. And Bobby is very, very upset at I Hulk Hogan. I was surprised by this. Well, he's all emotional. He's like, <laughs> I'm going to find a new king. Yeah, Bobby's like practically crying. Like it's like a very rare like you never see Bobby show any emotion in his character. And he it's like cares. It just, he cares and it just kind of just ends. Like it's not like yeah. it's like also I'm a scumbag. Like no, you, know, no. you know usually how a Bobby thing would end right. it's like but, you yeah. know. No, he's just like I'm going to find a new king. It's like we're so sad. He's like, got <laughs> internal injuries and stuff and like he's never going to be back. It's very depressing. I'm going to find a new king. There'll never be a king like this, but I'll find a new king. Back to ringside now, where Lewis Spicoli is introduced. Yeah, Lewis. Lewis. It's real. Yeah, Lewis. Get out of here with that. <laughs> His opponent led to ringside by Slick, the big boss mm. man. Now, no music here for the record, and mm-hmm. I'll tell you what, boss man is definitely big, mm-hmm. and the stripe on his pants is blue. He's brand new. Brand new. This is actually his official canonical TV debut. Yep. Although he did film stuff earlier than this but it aired later than this does that make sense yeah so, jess is like really excited look to at see this it. guy he's, like, well, he's true jess is <laughs> insane that's <laughs> right right what a fat fuck McMahon. yeah, yeah. <laughs> what do you think jesse anyway the referee is thankfully i'm so glad he's still here quinn the very angry jack krueger well, someone's got to keep order around this place <laughs> you know what you know what i like is when i was a kid and until more recently i used to hate him but mm-hmm. doing those pay-per-view reviews and anytime we see him, i love jack he, krueger. he's amazing he is get the fuck <laughs> off him he's i the- said 10 get the <laughs> hell out of here like he's always yelling it's amazing he's the most serious re- like he takes his job very seriously mm-hmm. i love it about him he also used to be a wrestler or something he did no it's real yeah. Uh, we get a bell, and Lewis offers a handshake, and Bossman just boots him in the face. <laughs> he just, like, kicked him. Like, he just, like, literally did, like, a big, like, a running big boot in yeah. his fucking face. Fucking awesome <laughs> it was amazing. Spot. That's a good spot. I laughed. I, I was, did, I too. I thought that was really funny. Insert promo now from Bossman and Slick, and the Slickster tells us about how great Bossman is. As Bossman is just kicking complete <laughs> oh ass God. in a corner. Just like killing he, he's him. destroying this kid. Howard Finkel then barges in again, this time to mention the Lewiston Maine show. Okay. It's a fundraiser, Quinn, so you know they didn't no, send you know anyone good. Let's see who they sent. <laughs> Danny Davis. Okay. Sam Houston. Oh, my God. And the Bolsheviks. Oh, horrible. 
absolutely lousy. Now, if you're from the Lewiston, Maine area, first of all, where is that? <laughs> also, sorry you got to see this. <laughs> Second of all, if you attended this show, I really do want to know. Uh, anyway, big chop by the boss man. Off the ropes. Boss man slam. Love that finish. And it's all over. And because superstars, it's nice and quick. <laughs> yep. Great debut. And that finish, Quinn, wor- I mean, it works for any time of the boss man, but especially when he's really big. Mm-hmm. That's a great finishing move because oh, of the way it just looks like a big fat guy caught you and like slammed you down. It looks like the power of inertia. He was always just he always hit it at the right time. I don't know his like timing is very excellent with excellent. the boss man slam. One of the most impactful uh, finishing moves. Yeah, seriously, it looks like it really knocks the, the wind out of you. Yep, you know, love it. After the match, now boss man handcuffs Lewis to the ropes. Kruger gets very angry about this shit. He's like, the fuck out of yeah, doing that. Fuck, get the fucking move. <laughs> He's so mad. Uh, nightstick shot to young Lewis. Poor Lewis. Oh, Lewis. I feel bad for Lewis this here. This isn't rad at all. Yeah. Yep. Uh, rad, rad for him. Yep. Anyway, replay of the finisher under great bumper music. Wow, there's the boss man catches up, rope drives. Spicoli down into the mat at easy one, two, three. And we now throw to the event center with a very new and a very loud and weird Sean Mooney. What the fuck is his voice? He's like, and I'm Sean Mooney, <laughs> and I'm going to talk to you now about the events. And I'll be standing by throughout the hour to not only fill you in as to just what's happening in the World Wrestling Federation, but to also tell everyone in the Boston area about a great evening coming to the Boston Garden Saturday night, July 9th. Like, what is he doing? What is this? At the Boston Garden Show on July 9th. <laughs> yeah. Now, he talked. He told us about this in his interview that we did years years ago. We interviewed him, right? And he's like, they wanted me to talk like the Big Mouth Frog or something like that. Yeah. I don't know. But it's so weird. It's bad. And we'll have Sam Houston. <laughs> yeah, like, like, what the hell is he saying? What a night it is going to be. We've got on the card Sam Houston. He will be here. And also, in tag team competition, the Rockers. Sounds like he's drugged or something, but it's just, it was a deliberate thing they wanted them to do to it's talk like, like this. It's like fake Howard Cosell, but like parody of Howard Cosell. Yeah, like Second City Television doing a parody of it's Howard Cosell. really weird. Bulldogs coin will be taking on the Bolsheviks. Mm-hmm. Don Morocco taking on Valentine. Roberts versus Rude. And Savage defending the title against DBS. That is a card for right. this period of time, because it's in Boston. Right. That show is a real show. The other ones are all like, hey, you want to see the Bolsheviks? <laughs> you want to see Danny Davis? It's like, get the fuck out of here. We now cold cut over to a promo from DiBiase in the silver suit still, which means he's good. Right. In front of this doofy map that they were was using. Was this the room? Was this room at the casino? No, it's I similar. Swear. It's okay. a different room. But I've heard a bunch of these promos from this room, from this era. They all have horrible audio quality. <laughs> the pressure, the strain and the stress of being the World Wrestling Federation Heavyweight Champion and having to continually climb back in the ring. They sound like they're in a vestibule somewhere in a post office. It's just a weird time. It's it's short, too, yes, right? Yes, it's, it's short. It's, it's just like, maybe it was like just a couple of interview tapings. It's just a cycle, yeah. yeah. But anyway, DiBiase essentially says that he shoved his wealth down Savage's throat before, and now his account is overdrawn. Okay. Now, Mooney, absolutely horrendous here. And like I said, he knew it at the time. We need a reel of this. Okay, Why is he it, talking like this? It's it's so bad. The million dollar man. It's going to be, you know, it's just yeah, very yeah. bad. He is a million dollar man, Ted DiBiase, of course, with his bodyguard, Virgil. 
And for the record, don't think we're trying to pile on him. He himself said it was bad, okay? This it's, is this is poor Joe. And it wasn't his fault. Now we get a promo from Greg Hammertime and Jimmy Hart. Mm. By the way, Jimmy in the heroic gold suit. Very good. Yes. Very good. And Valentine's all happy to be back with Jimmy here. I have Jimmy Hart as my manager. Like, it's uh, great. Don't talk like Sean Mooney, though. Sorry. Um, now, <laughs> Jimmy has the little Lulu hair still, but it's like in a all small right, The Lulu hair. Yeah. Oh, man. I forgot about Lulu. Don't you ever let him see it, Jimmy. Don't you ever let him <laughs> see it, Jimmy Hart. That's amazing. <laughs> Valentine very motivated here, Quinn, and he calls out Don Morocco and he says, it's the Rock versus the Hammer. Two former Intercontinental champions. I like that. This is the Rock versus the Hammer. Two former Intercontinental champions and the best one is right here and you're going to feel the Hammer come crashing down. And then we come back for literally no reason. Yeah. Steve Lombardi, he's not the brawler yet, remember? Yeah. He's like a, I'm a WWF superstar and I got, I like WWF superstar ice cream and so, he takes a bite. So, there was one weird thing about this to me. So before it started, Vince is like, I'm told there's um, some kind of wrestler that wants to uh, do something. And then this happens. And then it comes back and Vince is like, wait a second. That's not a superstar. That's not a superstar, Chelsea. Uh, this was so weird. Not very nice. Yeah, and it was like kind of mean. Like, you know, I thought anybody in, I thought everyone was a superstar in WWF. In the World Wrestling Federation? Yeah, according to Vince. And now this guy's not worthy of it. He works there. Notwithstanding that, we go to ringside where Bret Hart is entering the ring with the heel sunglasses, mind right, you. Right, And the heel strut. You know how the strut is different I, when he's a heel? It's a little different. It's a little more. It's a little more jerk. Jumpy or something. I don't know. You know, I thought I could do a pretty good uh, strut. Anyway, we get an insert graphic. Remember this one? Yeah. It's like Harley Race's face in the clouds like he died or something. What the hell is this? He's like in the pearly gates. Like, it's like pink clouds <laughs> around his just his face. I don't, I don't understand. This felt like they made this graphic by accident and Vince thought it looked so funny <laughs> that they just <laughs> kept, like, <they're, laughs> instead of fixing it, they just kept reusing it as a joke and would put it in the corner sometimes. Like, there's another time later in the show where they use it. It's very weird. It's definitely being being used tongue-in-cheek. Yes. They're playing it straight, but it's, yeah. they're definitely doing this, oh, this on purpose. Oh, this is an in-joke between yeah. Kerwin and whoever. Yeah. It, uh, yeah. It's very obvious. They know it's hokey. Yeah. I don't think they're... I don't think they think this is good. You know no, what I mean? No, no, no. And even Vince seems to think it's funny. Yeah. Now, Brett's opponent is Jerry Allen. Yeah, him. Jerry O or whatever. <laughs> yeah, is yeah. that Jerry O? Jerry O from 83 right. County. Yeah. Yep. And suddenly, we hear Jimmy Hart's megaphone at ringside, and but Brett's like, No, I want you to go to hell away. Isn't he technically still their manager, though, Joe? Yes, he is. And yeah. Jesse even says uh, they're still under contract, the Hart Foundation and Jimmy Hart. And then Anvil wanders out, and he does get Jimmy the hell out of there. Can't we just all get along here? Like, what's the issue? Jimmy's like, I want to manage him, baby. I love Bret Hart. You know, to to Jimmy's credit, by beating up Bad News Brown, right? Right. That doesn't necessarily have anything to do with Jimmy Hart. Yeah, he you wasn't know, even in the match. Like, Bret was just pissed off at Bad News Brown, and Anvil's like, yeah, baby, I agree with you, Hitman. Now, do you think this is like we're supposed to think like when they got to the back that Jimmy kind of like disagreed with this, this Maybe. Uh, to pick a fight with Bad News Brown? But the other thing is, and this is where at least they made sense of it, is when Jimmy Hart winds up selling half of the contract that he owns to the Rougeos, remember? Right, but that's because he's they're, they're already in disagreement. Yeah. That's the thing is Jimmy was just pushed to this. Like, it was <laughs> like... He, did, he was like, hey, baby, you shouldn't pick a fight with Bad News Brown. He's on our team or whatever. I'll do whatever I want. You know, yeah. that old thing. And then but. Jimmy's like, I can't defend you, baby. I have to go to the Rougeos. <laughs> They're American, baby. Yeah. Anyway, lock up and Brett gets turned around in the corner. Allen with some stumps. Corner up by Brett, but Allen tries a twisting crossbody. Brett ducks and lands a diving elbow and then a leg drop. 
Brett, by the way, is wearing those crappy WrestleMania 4 tights, by the way. I don't like it. Why are his knee pads, like, wrong? It's just or they're, like, shitty. low, and then he pulls them up. I don't know. It's, it's not good look. Anyway, Jesse now talks about the big WrestleMania 4 battle royal. The Hitman swings away. Irish whip. Boot by Brett. Finkel now comes in and says, if you live in the Manchester or New Hampshire area, why don't you go to the John F. Kennedy Coliseum on July 1st? Mm-hmm. All of these cards that they run down sound terrible for this area. We're so sorry that you live there. You know you know who did live there? Uh, Peter Winston, because he posted this video. It said... Yes, no, this is Petey. You're right. Yeah, I forgot yeah. to mention that. that this that, is... So it, all, it makes all the sense in the world that we keep seeing this New Hampshire That's stuff. right. I'm yeah. sorry. Yes, this is on Petey Winston's YouTube channel. Just search for this. You can watch it. It's good. Yeah. He has some other fun things on that channel, too. Mm-hmm. Brett with some punches. Joey Morella, by the way, is the referee. Body slam by Brett off the ropes. Diving elbow. Can we move it along here? This is superstars. Make it make it go faster, please. <laughs> okay. Jesse likes Brett, but he, I hope he doesn't go soft on me, McMahon. Right. Irish whip, back elbow by Brett. Please hit the pile driver and end it. Anvil then cackles on the outside as Brett hits the pile driver and ends it. That's his finisher? Yeah. What? He does a damn good pile driver. That was his, It's weird. That's his pre-sharpshooter, like, singles are a finisher, you know, yes. I didn't learn the scorpion hold yet. Vince told me they were going to push me in 88. They didn't. They were going to push me in 89. They didn't. They're going to push me in 90, but then he kept Anvil. They pushed me in 91. I need to learn Scorpion Hold. Anyway, Anvil comes in to give Brett a big hug. We get a replay. Very weird to see Brett in singles action in 88, to be honest with you. He just feels like a tag wrestler in action. I agree with you. Like, I he love Brett Hart. He, yeah, he doesn't seem good or anything. No, he just seems like a tag wrestler in action. I mean, he's a good wrestler. Don't get yeah. me wrong, but perception-wise, yeah. he ain't Hulk Hogan. Yeah. He ain't Randy Savage yet. But There's nothing special about him yet. Not yet, but he unique. Right. Unique Definitely in the ring. Unique. unique in the ring. Anyway, back to Sean Mooney, who still sounds really weird. So much happening in the World Wrestling Federation. It will be happening here Saturday night, July 9th at the Boston Garden. Stop talking, please. I beg you, Sean Mooney. He's horrible in this episode. <laughs> well, don't forget, Quinn. The Bolsheviks take on the Bulldogs <sighs> in Boston. But first, we're going to go to a promo from Slick, who apparently actually still manages them somehow, the Bolsheviks. <laughs> That's weird. I didn't know that he did this yeah. late. And he's here to uh, give a give a promo to mention that even though he wouldn't normally be wearing red with this suit that he's got on, he's doing it to pay homage to his team. And he says the British Bulldogs think they're good because they're the former tag champs, but guess what? So is Nikolai. Sorry, the Bolsheviks aren't going to win because they're jobbers. <laughs> That's why Slick isn't really managing them he, anymore. When does he stop? Because I know it doesn't last forever. I don't blame him. Just like, get, I, get out of there. I know they're together like two more years, but Slick is definitely... Maybe it's when like... Bossman and Akeem start tagging or something. Because <laughs> right, yeah. I found a better team. Fuck yeah. these guys. They stink. We now cut to a typically exciting promo by the British Bulldogs and Matilda. Slick to take a long look at this face because you're going to be seeing it a lot at ringside when the British Bulldogs step in the ring with your so-called number one tag team, the Bolsheviks. Let me tell you something, Bolsheviks. It might be smaller, but we're a lot faster. And I got to say, it's a sorry state of affairs when the best talker in this group is Matilda. Yeah, it's weird. They're like... They're kneeling, horrible! Kneeling next door. Uh, like, Dynamite Kid sounds like Pete Best. It's not a compliment. I like they have marbles in their mouth or something. <laughs> you know what they have? The Marmite. Yeah, the Marmite of the Bulldogs. The Marmite of the Bulldogs. It's horrible. You know what? <laughs> anyway, we go back to Mooney, who sounds like he drank too much Robitussin now as he hypes up the Jake Road match. How about this personal grudge match? They met before. It was a brawl then. It will be this time. Ravishing Rick Rude. He'll need Jake the Snake Roberts. 
Promo from Jake, which as always is good, even in these subpar conditions. Like you can hear someone drop a wrench in the background <laughs> it, of this room. It's there's problems. Every man likes to have his fun, Rick Rude, and you might have had some. To ringside, where Bam Bam Bigelow's incredible music hits, and he storms out with Humperdinck. He has rare theme or whatever. It, it is rare. You know, I looked up Bam Bam Bigelow first theme while, before I continued on, on the thing. Yeah. Guess what YouTube channel um pulled up? I don't know which. WWF rare thing. I was like, are you fucking, and it wasn't even the song. It was I just know. like, it's just some like, it's some other image. song yeah. <laughs> that has sax in it. This theme is allegedly rare. I just think nobody ever recorded it, but okay. That makes it rare. Yeah, but so it's, it's, we're hearing it right now. So how rare could it possibly be? It makes a clean recording of it rare. Yeah. Non-existent, actually. I get it. It's just, I hate the term. I know, me too. Um, no, I don't, actually. I think it's funny that you get annoyed by it. <laughs> it's very annoying. Anyway, Quinn, the fans are happy to see Bigelow and Humperdinck. It's unfortunate that Humperdinck is here, though. You have to admit that. Oh, I do, because he's not a good face manager. Yeah. He's when, meant to be a heel, that guy. Yeah, fucking one of the Koopa kids coming yeah. out. It's awful. That's <laughs> real, though. Uh, anyway, Bam Bam's opponent in the ring is Tom Stone, who looks like a former tennis coach here. <laughs> he calls, Jesse calls Humperdinck ugly as we get a bell. It's not really wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, Stone has that strappy thing, and he thinks he's very good. He's poor. <laughs> and I don't, uh, yeah, he's like, he's like if Sal Belomo had gumption. It's like it's if Sal so Belomo bad. had an older cousin. Yeah, it's, it's bad. <laughs> so Bam Bam has the yellow and red variation of the flame tights. Stone with rights in the corner. Some eye gouging. Corner whip. Reversed by Bam Bam. Drop kick by Bam Bam. Nicely done. Body slam by Bigelow. Dave Hebner, the referee, as Bam Bam hammers away and clubs down Stone. We get the Harley uh, <laughs> Race graphic again. What is that I love graphic? That. It's so weird. And then Jesse's like, you know, I'd be a good king, McMahon. Mm-hmm. You will, Jesse? I don't think so, Jesse. Fuck you, Jesse. Anyway, <laughs> you know how McMahon is yeah, with him. He gets fuck very, you. If he doesn't agree with him, it's just fuck you, fuck Jesse. Fuck you, Jesse. Anyway, Irish whip by Bigelow, duck under by Stone, thrust kick by Bam Bam. Wow. Called a maneuver by Vince. Yeah, and he has the gumption to uh, yeah. make fun of Ray Rougeau's English. Very gump. What a maneuver. Mm-hmm. It's called a kick. You yeah. Dumb it's fuck. Like a super kick almost. Yeah. Or if Gorilla was there, if, if nothing else would be a reverse crescent kick. Right, reverse crescent. If not what's a, a crescent. What's, a, what's a, just a regular crescent kick? No, I, don't, I don't understand. Don't worry Why about it. Why is it reverse? Because you reverse it. But do you? Your it's leg goes backwards. Your, it's, it's, no, know. it's because your leg goes backwards. Oh, I see. I think the pressure's how on the you, other foot. How would you make a crescent with your leg going forward? You do. Your you leg just go, do- yo! No, but your with leg your f- doesn't bend that way. This is the, uh, on the raw video, you can see my foot if you're okay, into that. That's that's the the front crescent kick, <laughs> yeah, I guess. Let's never speak of this again. Uh-huh. We get a falling headbutt by the Bammer body slam, and he goes outside, slingshot splashes over the ropes, back on the stone, and it is all over. And the rare theme hits. <laughs> Very rare. I love it. By the way, if you want to write to the WWE fundraisers, you can. Yeah, please just send us your address. Basically, <laughs> it's always an excuse to get your address. It is. It all is. Mm-hmm. Uh, Vince then calls a zip code a zipper. I've never heard Add anyone your do that. Onto yeah. it. And your zipper. Anyway, Rick Rude's music hits now as we go down to Craig DeGeorge on the platform. Very weird to have Craig DeGeorge existing in the same realm as Sean Mooney. <laughs> like two ships Earth passing realm. in the night, yeah. huh? Yeah, I know, right? Earth realm. <laughs> yeah, Craig is on his way out. He'd be off TV by September, and Mooney had just come in. So Yeah, this- Mooney's commented on our show, I think, about both of them existing in the same Very briefly. Plane. Literally. Very probably weird. on the same airplane. Yeah. Anyway, Rude and Bobby charge out in matching red here as Ventura, of course, brings up the Jesse the Body Award mm-hmm. about Rude. Well, it's important. It is. Craig now mentions how last week he was talking to Jake Roberts and Cheryl on this platform, so now he's going to give the chance to Rude and Bobby. <laughs> 
Rude calls Craig snail breath, which it's, I... It's a pretty accurate description. <laughs> I laughed out loud It's at good. Because no. I didn't expect it. Snail breath. Yeah, it's just random. Really funny. Uh, anyway, he takes off his robe to Big Booze and barks about how Jake has ruined Cheryl's rude awakening. You know, the whole angle, folks. Right, right. He tried to do a rude awakening to a lady. She said no, and it happened to be Rude's wife. At some point, he confronted her. He grabbed her wrist. Even Bobby's like, no, don't fucking do yeah, that. Don't get us into this shit. <laughs> like, basically. Like, I don't want to go to jail. Rude's pretty fucking bold. He's such a dick. It's He's literally like one of the best heels I've ever seen. No, literally. I can't tell you how much, like, how perfect this heel run is because he's just like, he's every single thing that another dude would hate a guy right. to be. Like he, Absolutely. And, 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 and what makes it funnier is that, like, they're, the women think he's hot, but the guys just are just like, oh, Fuck this guy. What a piece of shit. Yep. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, it's really true. The character, there's nothing to like. Yeah. The performer, yes, of course. We right. love Rick Rude. But literally, there's no redeeming quality, nothing good about Rick Rude, the character. It's almost like even Bobby, he's so detestable. Like, I've never found someone so fucking horrible. <laughs> yep. And, like, he's proud of it. And he's a good wrestler. Yeah. And you back it up in the ring. Like, the point that, like, sometimes it's so bad that even Bobby's like, okay, this is too far. Yeah, too it's like far. Rick Rude is just, like, on, on, like, another fucking level yep. of shitty. I know. Yeah. So Rude says that uh, Cheryl thinks about him at night. You got to say, this is pretty edgy for the WWF, at least, anyway. No, it is, definitely. This feud was good, but the wrestling wasn't. Yeah, you know what? I want to know, because I haven't watched every single one of their matches. The ones I have seen, I I didn't like. Yeah. What is the best Rude Roberts match? Is there one at the Garden that's good, or maybe the Boston Garden, or Philly? Like, is there a really good one that you can point me to, folks? I mean it. I'm not being funny. Because the ones that we've seen, Quinn, weren't good. Right. Right? No, I mean, they weren't. They weren't. So Definitely I want to know like the actual good one, and I will watch it. Anyway, Bobby gets on the mic now to introduce a new Rude Awakening here. So he's handpicked uh, some toots for Rude. Yeah, yeah <laughs> and, toots, according toots. to Bobby. <laughs> so a lady with a white dress, pants thing, and some cowardly lion hair wanders up to the stage. <laughs> Rude, very 80s. Like, very. Put like him she, up. she is definitely like 80s hot right here. She was about to jump out that glass yeah. window in the wizard room. Oh, God. It would have been scary. <laughs> so Rude kisses her, lets her fall all the way down to the floor, and then he swivels his hips as women are taking pictures. <laughs> what a complete dirtbag. Yeah. Best heel ever. He is, man. Yeah. We now go to break, and Vince throws us to a vignette for George Steele, who has found a new friend. Mine. So we get a great promo here from George Steele. <laughs> Please leave. This is enough is enough already, Joe. Tell you what, though, it's better than the Bulldogs promo. Yeah. yeah. Nah, no, it wasn't. No, it was actually, no, Quinn. This, this it was, actually this was, was. This is some last straw shit for George Steele where it's like, we're, we're way too far. Like, 88 George Steele is like, it's, it's over, guy. Like, go home. Go teach or whatever he does. How come no one ever talks about the first straw? It's well, always the last one. Because the last straw is the one that matter. Well, is that because it's the one that broke the camel's back? Yeah, it's okay. par- partially the reason. Yeah, definitely. Okay. In the ring is Ricky Attacky. Yes, OVP Facebook group legend Ricky Attacky. He's here. <laughs> and uh, we don't ever see him, but here yeah, he is. He's here. It's great. His opponent, 
Greg the Hammer Valentine, who again looks motivated. This, you know, why? Because he's not in the fucking new dream team with Dino Bravo anymore. And he's got Jimmy Hart back. And he's got Jimmy Hart. No, no Johnny V. None of that shit. <laughs> this no is more. so much better. I love them together. My goodness. Attacky as the crappy yellow tights gets chopped a real lot. Nice body slam by Valentine. <laughs> Vince makes a huge stink about Valentine's shin guard. Yeah, the heartbreaker, whichever one it is. Yeah, you got it right. It's, it's it? the heartbreaker. What's the, I, what's the hammer jammer? Yeah, because it jams the hammer. Right, right. It's not the hammer's jammer. It, it could jams be the hammer's him. jammer, It's though. not, though. It jams him. We'll, we'll see about that. We will. Uh, insert from Greg Valentine defending it, saying, look, I was fucking injured. Shut up. Mm-hmm. Body slam by Valentine. Nice elbow drop. He pulls Attacky up, though, at two. <laughs> attacky. <laughs> Ricky Attacky. <laughs> and Kruger gets all upset that Valentine pulled him. He's like, what the fuck is wrong with yeah. you? Why would you do that? You don't fucking do that to Ricky Attacky. <laughs> it's, it's true. Anyway, another elbow gets two and a... Uh, only gets two for the same reason. Valentine pulls him up. Valentine then quickly turns his shin guard around when no one's looking, throws on the figure four, and it's all over. Jimmy is very proud of this. And even make sure to move the brace back to normal before <laughs> Angry Ref can see yes. it. Okay, baby. Yeah. Uh, Valentine puts the figure four back on for fun, which really pisses off Kruger. He takes umbrage with this shit. You don't fucking do that to Ricky Attacky. Wait, what the fuck? That's Ricky Attacky. I love Angry Ref. He has so much integrity. Yeah. <laughs> Jack Kroger has so much integrity as a referee. He's one of the best. He's just trying to enforce the rules, damn it. He's not trying to get over. He's just very serious about this. very excellent. Anyway, I love this chaos that starts now, Quinn, because now all of a sudden the siren on the megaphone is going off. Yeah, Did Jimmy's you know? like running around. This is good, baby. I love when they set the siren off yeah, randomly in the very, later years. I love it. I love it. For no reason. Why does it have a siren? It does. I, anytime, anytime. That just came with those things. Because they had one at camp and it had the siren also. It's to get people's attention, right? Yeah, it's just one of the features yeah. of the me- megaphone. I love when it goes yeah. off. But suddenly Don Morocco runs out, tie diversion. He elbows the shit out of Valentine to clear the ring. Good! Don Morocco is good all the time, Donald man. P is one of the greatest. Love him. So he goes uh, He goes after Jimmy Hart, and Billy Graham is hobbled out. Again, I'm saying that because he has the hip injury, so right, he has right. the cane. Very hip. So He's very hip. He tries to help out Ricky Attacky. Meanwhile, Jimmy spits on Morocco. What the hell? That was very bold of Jimmy <laughs> yeah. Hart. I couldn't believe it. With the Lulu hair and everything, yep. he's like, he just... He cocks a loopy right, right in Donald P's face. Extremely bold. And then he hilariously runs away through the curtain. Morocco's yeah, yeah. chasing him. Valentine then sneaks up on Graham and clotheslines him. Hey, his hip hurts. Be careful. I know. That's that's scary. So he beats the shit out of Billy Graham with elbows. Knocks out Jack Kruger. What? Figure four on Billy Graham. Morella comes in. He can't do anything about this. So he just asks for them to ring the bell. He's gotten Gorilla. She got his dad. That's my son in there. You fucking hey, you need fucking him. help, Joey. I'll go kick his ass. <laughs> I like how Morello just asked them to ring the bell. It's yeah. a, it's real. Like that's gonna help. Valentine will be like, oh, they're bringing the bell. I better stop right, then. Right. I, he, he's know. on the rampage here. Are they trying to annoy people so much that they give up fighting? Is that why they ring the bell? I don't know. They, I think it's just to be like the the idea is like. Oh, they're so they're in such a rage. They're flying off the handle that they, that we need to ring the bell to remind them that the match is over. If you were a timekeeper, would you just ring the shit out of the bell? Yes, because I, I want to be like, hey, stop it. You know what I mean? The match is over, bro. Okay. Would you walk up to them and like, you're it's like, their it's face? like it's like the t- it's like the duty of the timekeeper, right? It's like that. Like when when shit gets out of hand, they need to keep ringing the bell to alert people. It's kind of like the dinner bell, and maybe they're also hoping that if other wrestlers in the back hear it, they'll, oh. they'll be like, "Oh, oh, okay, we got to go help whoever's out there. Somebody's blown off the handle." They'll look up from their card game or whatever. Yeah, yeah and, exactly. Okay. 
Gotcha. Anyway, Kruger's back up now and he tries to pull Valentine off. No avail. Finally, Morocco storms out again, but Valentine quickly breaks the hold and bails out of the ring. Now, there's some serious shit happening on this show here, the A-show, Joe. It's actually a pretty good angle. Yeah, it's a real angle. It's, it's a good angle. So Billy Graham, who is selling this really well, by the way, he's writhing in pain. Vince's, <laughs> Vince's rationale is funny. How could he do this? How could Greg Valentine do this to Billy Graham? He gave us so many great moments. Yeah, he made me so much money. Yeah. <laughs> he made my dad so much His money. His dad, yeah. yeah. Uh, the alleged EMTs come out. I was not sure if this is real or not. I couldn't tell. Vince is just outraged by all of this. Oh, my God, yeah. yeah. They, they get Graham on a stretcher. Jesse. <laughs> this was hilarious. Of course I'm not Seth McMahon. I'm, I'm Billy Graham's idol, yeah. you know? Please stop. It's a like, running joke. I know. It's just, it's always annoying because we know how shitty Jesse was. Yeah. Well, that's the joke is Jesse blatantly, you know, copied himself after Billy Graham. I feel like Jesse's self-aware of how crappy a wrestler he was, like, sometimes when he's on commentary. I'm how sure he, he is. How he, how he always, like, overtly says he was the greatest wrestler to ever live when he was very shitty. He's just being a wrestling yeah. heel. You it's know just I mean? really funny. I'm sure he knows he didn't have to do much. Yeah. He made a lot of money, though. Anyway, they carry Billy Graham out of there, but they drop the stretcher in the aisle. <laughs> Which is amazing. Wow, they get somebody competent out there. Yeah, I like that Jess even like was like, that's bullshit. Yeah. It's like, those guys suck. He's hurt. Oh, oh, no. Why don't they get somebody with competence to carry him out? Who is this four-eyed glasses guy they got trying to pick up 290-pound Billy Graham? We it- fade to break. We come back, Quinn, where this amazing team is introduced in the ring. <laughs> First. From parts unknown, the intruder. The who? Who? We won't get fooled again. I don't. Uh, I have no idea who this what is. The hell. Anyone want to tell me who the intruder is? Because I do not know. He was short and he had a mask, and nobody cared. Yeah. His partner, though. Woo! Iron Mike Sharp. Oh, there baby. it is. I love seeing yeah, him. Iron Mike. Next up, the Rockers music hits, and they charge out with their sunglasses and the Rock and Roll Express style tights. Mm-hmm. Crowd. Kind of cares. Uh, Vince says that he was told, Quinn, they're tag team specialists. Already saying that, huh? Yep. Right away. From day one, because for the record, this is their TV debut. Yeah, this is the other debut, right? Yeah. <laughs> the proper debut. Mm-hmm. Yes, yeah, not the 87 one. Uh, so Sean starts here with Mike Sharp. Lockup swing by Sharp. Sean ducks. I held it by Sean. Sharp shoves off. Crisscross. Tag to Marty. Leapfrog by Sean. Sharp catches him, though. But Janetti drop kicks Sean over onto Mike Sharp. Insert promo from the Rockers, and they very boldly call out demolition already, and they sound like dweebs. Yeah, they have sunglasses and weird yellow shirts. They're yeah. just nobody they're, at this point. They're like, we're going to beat demolition. Yeah, no, cool. you're, no, you're not. You're going to absolutely not. We're going to rock and sock them, or yeah, whatever they say. We're going to rock and roll and slam and j- just shut up. Mm-hmm. And Janetti with a baseball slide and then drop kick to Sharp. He drop kicks the intruder off the apron. Sharp comes in, though, and is able to make the tag intruder in, promptly arm dragged. Meanwhile, Jesse wonders who this intruder is. It doesn't matter. <laughs> I guess you're right. Mm-hmm. Uh, Vince gr- brags about how great the Rockers are, and Jesse reminds him, McMahon, this isn't demolition they're wrestling in there, which is true. It's true. Tag to Sean. It's a bunch of jobbers. <laughs> Tag to Sean, who slingshots in over the ropes, and even Jesse can't believe the Rockers are calling out demolition already on day <laughs> one. Sean with the side headlock, intruder reverses. Sean with the suplex, tagged to Janetti. Snap, suplex by Janetti. Tagged back to Sean, who heads all the way up top. Hits a flying fist drop. Tagged to Janetti now, off the ropes. Sean hip tosses Janetti onto the intruder for the win. Decent debut. Yeah, very jolly, though. Yeah, yeah. They, were, they were happy. Do You even you don't even like the Rockers, right? And you're a Shawn Michaels fan. Yeah, I, I don't think Sean peaked until he became single. I didn't really care for him as much until then. He's just kind of average. I think 91 rockers are really good. Yeah, 90, no, it's 91. not that I hate the rockers. It's just that, like, I'm just like, they didn't, in my mind, 
uh, stand out. You know what I mean? They had some good stuff. I mean, the Rougeau's feud was good. The matches were good. The Brain Buster's feud was good. All these years later, they feel like a means to the end of getting single Shawn Michaels. Yeah, I mean, retrospectively, yeah, that's that, how it that, feels. That's what they're for, there for. Okay, understood. Yeah. Back to Sean Mooney, uh, who somehow even sounds worse now. Yeah, trying more Howard Cosell. It's, it's bad. I don't know what he's trying, but it's not working. Cut to a promo from Rick Rude in the ventilation room. Like, sir, did they film these promos in a water tower? It's so bad. What? As what is this? As an audio person, it upsets you more, I think. Yeah, it's terrible. Yeah. Well, it's because normally their production is so good. Yeah, it's it feels like they filmed these real quick. Yeah, it's just jarring. Almost like they when, didn't have time. Gene's not there too. Maybe that's why. I don't know if that's why. Maybe well, Gene yeah. would have been like, "We're not doing this shit. Here. This sounds like ass." Like, you know what I mean? Maybe that's why you left. Yeah. Anyway, we now hear from Savage and Elizabeth. Macho Man says that he's tasted DiBiase's dirty money and then he spit it out. Also, DiBiase will never touch the WWF Championship belt, and he'll be all over him like Milton Butter. Yeah. I'm going to get you. Like he says this. <laughs> he's so good. I love Savage. Yeah. He's a good champion, man. Yeah, no, he, he is. He really is. He he's filled still the gap nicely. He's like somehow better than Warrior as champion. As champion. Not, yeah, not, he, not he saying is. the Warrior, I don't like the Warrior. I'm just saying Savage is a better champion. No, he absolutely is. Yeah. He just is. Mm-hmm. Sorry. <laughs> they booked him better too. He also he's had appear- fucking intense. And he's like, but he seems like threatening. You know right, what I mean? Yeah. No, I know. I like him. Anyway, back to Mooney, who reminds us to go to the Boston Garden on July 9th. Also, the promoters are working on more matches oh. as we speak. We run down the card again for uh, the Boston Garden show before going back to Vince, who's going to run down next week. We're going to have the one-man gang. Okay. I like that. Coco Beware. Mm-hmm. Fine with him. WF Trunks. Teddy D- <laughs> Teddy DiBias. Okay. Fine. That's a big name. The Rockers again. They just filmed two matches in a row, didn't they? Yeah, of course. An interview with the Heenan family. Mm-hmm. Could be good. You never know. And Jake Roberts, so... There you go. That's that's a nice lineup there. Yeah. Like I said, this is very much like a June episode of Superstars. Mm-hmm. Pick the year. June 80. June, June 80. June 88. June 89. It's all the same. We're past WrestleMania, but it's still before SummerSlam. It's fun. Yep. Nice to see the TV debuts of the Boss Man and the Rockers. Yep. We're, I didn't we're realize that. the roster here. Adding to the roster. Uh, the Hammer Morocco angle actually looked like it was pretty good. I was surprised how good that angle looked. I, why, why does no one talk about that? They never had a pay-per-view blow-off, you know? I guess. Maybe that's why. But, but overall fun, right? Yeah, fun snapshot of 88 was my final outlook on this. I agree with you. And folks, uh, let us know what your final outlook was on this show. Obviously, you can uh, reach out to us about anything on Twitter. No more clips. Sorry. But you can reach out to us at OVP Podcast. Shoot us an email ovppodcast at gmail.com and a couple of quick reminders for you next week the finale aha uh-huh. all right that'll, that'll be it for this season if you want to give us a specific episode review request do that on our fa- bottom line join the facebook group yeah it's you get all it, okay? the information over there you get all the stuff there and if you want the extra content you can of course reach us on patreon patreon.com slash ovp podcast I encourage you to give it a try just for a little bit even just to see get the pay-per-view reviews and things. But thank you guys so much for being with us here. We will be back next week for July. Until that time, I am Joe Murata. That is Michael Quinn, and we will see you next week. See ya! We are once again back at the WWF Event Center, and the news is great matches coming your way. One that is going to be some match. It will feature Jake the Snake Roberts and Ravishing Rick Rude. He is Ravishing Rick Rude. Hey, we've got a big title defense. The Macho Man Randy Savage to face the Million Dollar Man. 
He is the man at the center of it all, the Macho Man, Randy Savage, the undisputed champion. Of course, he'll be accompanied by his manager, the lovely Elizabeth. You can see all this Saturday night, July 9th, on a great card coming your way. The promoter's working on a couple of matches right now as we speak. The Will you stop? stop.